The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code DIESHRING for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a computer gaming podcast. I am your host, Tom, and I will let my guest introduce himself. What's going on, guys? The name is Innocence, but Tom is going to be calling me JR today because that's actually my real name. And um, I host a gaming channel that you'll probably be able to find somewhere in the description. And I just talk about games, tech, and pretty much a bunch of different things Um, from... New Jersey on the East Coast. And yeah, pretty much that's it. So is it Innocence 2? Because for a while I was like, is it Innocence? Like a play on a sensei and Innocence? Or I thought I saw that in like the uh, border of your channel, Innocence 2. Yeah. So funny story behind that actually is um, originally I just wanted Innocence. But, you know, when I first made like my online alias, um, innocence was obviously taken. It's a pretty common name. So I decided yeah. to go, you know, with innocence, the first, so underscore one, but that was taken too. So I went innocence <laughs> underscore two, that wasn't taken. So that's pretty much where it comes from. It, it's technically innocence, the second, but I just go by innocence. Yeah. You know, people have told me my YouTube name is too long, but I was blown away. The name Moore's Law is dead wasn't taken, nor was the website name. Uh, when I grabbed it, because I think it's such a common phrase amongst me and my friends. Um, actually, my original name was Moore's Law has been dead. That one was definitely way too long. But um, see, I understand the struggle for finding the name. And uh, yeah, I mean, welcome to Broken Silicon, the 18th top technology podcast in Saudi <laughs> Arabia, apparently. Uh, for those wondering why I just said that, I, uh, I, I, like, I can like follow like, you know, as Broken Silicon gets bigger and bigger. And I think what I'm going to start doing at the start of every episode is just announcing the highest rank I can find. I think at one point we were number nine in Trinidad and Tobago, it said. So I don't know. I think that's kind of funny to see like, like number eight in Ukraine or something. Uh, so shout out to all of my listeners in Saudi Arabia, apparently. Um, I guess let's get into it. What made you want to start your channel? Um, so I've been a big gamer my entire life. So originally I was supposed to become, you know, as if you guys don't know, I'm mainly a PC player, but originally, you know, as a kid, I always wanted a console, you know, so I always wanted to get one of those, but I couldn't because, you know, you know, whatever, whatever reason it may, there may be. So I ended up just saving up like $250, which wasn't enough to buy a console and just getting down, just getting this rundown laptop that could barely run anything. I'm sure we've all been through those days, you know? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I ended up getting that and that kind of turned me into a PC gamer, got really big in like, got really big into Call of Duty and all different types of games and stuff like that. So I just been gaming for a long time. And then eventually since I, uh, since I built my PC, I got into PC tech and never looked back. I do own consoles, but don't use them as much as my PC still have a place in my heart Mm -hmm. for them, but you know, PC, 
Yeah, I mean, I I guess when it comes to my game, and I've probably said this on other episodes, like I, yeah, it was mostly PC at first, of course, because that's what was there. And then eventually, I think I got, I think in Nintendo, yeah, Nintendo 64 was the first one. And there were tons of consoles after that. And then once I went into college for engineering is when I got the, you know, go ahead for some funding to build a decent PC, not just for gaming, but for like CAD and stuff like that. And that's when I really got into the whole hardware aspect of it. I, th- I think you mentioned on your channel, are you in college or what's your background like professionally? Yeah. So currently I'm enrolled in college. I just started my third year um, and I am a computer engineering major. I do plan on going for a master's at least if that, you know, if the future allows me to. But yeah, I'm a computer engineering ma- major fall semester currently right now. Yeah, and I, and of course, I'm, as I've said before, mechanical engineering, which I don't know if you've noticed that or whatever college you go to, but at mine, it seemed like all electrical engineers and computer, and a lot of computer engineers got into like cars or guns or something. And then all of the mechanical engineers for their hobby would be computer stuff just because it's not what they're doing at work, but they still get to build things. So yeah, um, I guess... Let me ask you this. You, I, I've watched some videos from your channel, and it's very clear you mostly game on PC like me. You appreciate consoles like me. And then also you just like talking about the hardware and the market forces behind both of them. And I find that it's somewhat rare. It seems like so many PC gaming websites, the writers have no clue what's in the console for how much they analyze graphics cards. <laughs> and yet, so, and then when it comes to the console-focused websites, they have no clue what's in anything. Like, they have no clue what the, any of the hardware means. It's usually actually in, exceedingly cringeworthy. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't notice that, like, on YouTube, I found more and more people like me or you. Why do you think that's so rare to, like, the hardware and games behind both? I, like, I don't know why it should matter. I... Honestly, it's a tough question to answer. I think personally, it probably has to do with, you know, people who are into PC and, you know, are more, if you're into PC, you're probably somewhat interested in eventually building your own computer or getting into the parts and stuff like that. Not many PC players mm-hmm. buy pre-builds and don't at least want, have a little not bit of Not the ones on websites, yeah, right? Not the, not one the on ones websites, on websites, at least. Yeah, yeah. At least on, on the internet. So I feel like the people who are on forums and are doing, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they got to do, they're typically interested in the hardware side of things. But then when it comes to console gaming, like most people who are into console gaming and even the people who are writing these articles, it seems just like the simplicity of it all. They don't really want to get into the nitty gritty and like figuring out why things work. Like all my friends, like... I, you know, it's, it's not very common to find, you know, people who like the hardware, like, you know, myself or you. Um, yeah. So like even my friends in real life, they don't really care about why their console works. They just care that it works. So I think that's probably the main reason that the the demographics are just so different. When I think about it though, and, and I think a lot of PC gamers, at least in the past five years, I think there has been this boom of like pre built gaming PCs. Um, especially um, with how long the past couple generations of consoles have dragged on. But I, I one thing that I find particularly odd, because like you kind of got into it, you would expect right anyone writing about PC hardware gets more and more into the hardware and less into the games. That's why they have a website talking about the hardware, because they're more interested in that stuff, or at least writing about that stuff, I guess you would say. 
It makes sense to me why people on a console website don't care what's in the specs, but it surprises me how, should I say, confident and yet ignorant I see some comments about the specs in consoles from PC websites. You know what I mean? Like, for how much time some people put into analyzing two graphics cards against each other, the misquoting of specs inside like a PS4 or an Xbox One X or something, it's rampant. Like, there are people that, you know, these are the people that will get, you know, a low-end graphics card for their desktop and then say it's better than the APU in a PlayStation. And it's like, mm, that APU is not the same one as in your laptop, guys. Yeah, for sure. But um, wait, do you have like any, like, I'm kind of having a hard time picturing it. Like, do you have any, like, like any crazy examples? Actually, I do. You know, when I was, this was a while ago, you know, I'm talking about the HD 7000 series, you know, 7970, 7870, those graphics cards. And I remember this build article done on Tom's Hardware where they built this, you know, what would you call it? A living room gaming PC, Mm -hmm. which is really just a smaller gaming PC. And it's really the distinction is just you plugged it into a TV instead of a monitor. But they put this low profile 7750 which I think I actually remember had like 512 stream processors, right? So I guess that, yeah. So, and and then they said, well, it games, you know, like DMC, that version of Devil May Cry was their example and 900p, well. And I saw just an army of comments and this was, you know, back in like 2013, I want to say, of people going and it's way better than whatever's going to be in those consoles, despite the fact that the PS4 has like over double the shaders and double the over double the bandwidth <laughs> compared to the PC they built. But there's just this assumption that because it's a desktop, it's stronger than all consoles. Yeah, I think what a lot of people tend to forget is just that, especially a console on release, they're just unmatched in terms of like de- delivering a certain amount of power for how much you're paying. Like it's it's mm-hmm. kind of insane. At least, yeah, at least to me, it's kind of insane. Like you know, when the PS4 and Xbox One first came out. Like you really couldn't. I think I think that was around the time when the want to say the 900 series of Nvidia was launching, or it launched just a little bit before then. It launched, yeah. The 900, the Maxwell came a year after. A year yeah. after, okay. So I, yeah. So I feel like even with those cards and what was in those cards, and or even the generation prior, like you couldn't build a PC for mm-hmm. 400 dollars and expect no. to get the same results. And I think. A lot of people just seem to forget that. And especially when they're so they assume that, oh, since and they see that these prices are, you know, for the cards that they're putting in the in the desktops that they're building, they see that they're more expensive and they're like, okay, so because it's more expensive, it has to be better, even though that's not necessarily the case. Like, you know, you uh, on a four hundred dollar PS4, you're getting, you know, X amount of performance and then you're paying four hundred dollars for just your graphics card and are able to match, maybe perform a little bit less than that. And it's just like, people are like, oh no, I paid more for it. So it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it has to be better when that's not necessarily the case. So I think that's probably a misconception or bias that a lot of people um, tend to have. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends. And I, and again, I think a lot of people got into PC gaming between 2012 and 2015. That was when you had the PlayStation 3 and the 360 generation dragging on for so long that it got to the point that you could by then, right? Like that does happen near the end of a console gen. You could build a gaming PC that crushed the consoles. Maybe it would be twice as expensive, but it was four times better or something, right? But those consoles were like 
you know, what, seven years old, eight years yeah, old? So like, like big right. deal. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> they were designed on 65 or 90 nanometer. Like, wow, cool. a 28 nanometer <laughs> thing can beat that. But, um, you know, and so I think a lot of people built PCs because those generations dragged on for too long, which I get it. You know, I mean, God, if you plugged in a PS3 lately, that thing is so sluggish. Like, oh, it's man. ridiculous. It's It's painful. And then I think people also like, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to start saying it. You know, I think people bought Wii's, wanted something stronger, built a PC. The Wii U didn't pan out. And at the same time, the Xbox, Xbox alienated a lot of their fan base at the start of this generation that we're still barely still, they were barely still in. Wait. And so instead of buying a PlayStation, I really think a lot of people just built gaming PCs in 2014. And so I think there's this assumption then, right? from a lot of people that have been PC gaming now for five years that, oh, because it's cheaper, it's weaker. But I have a friend recently, and this is why I just did this whole long, you know, what I'm getting to is I have a friend who's like, you know, I've never actually been PC gaming for years, understood what I was talking about, and then watch new graphics cards come out next to a new console. And he's like, it's true. At the start of a gen, you're just not going to match. You know, you're not going to match the price performance. So many people kept calling me stupid in the comments for saying these consoles will not cost more than 500. They will not. I'm telling you they're mm. not going to. And now, mm. as, we're, as of yeah. this recording, we now know the Xbox price. Like, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know. And, and it all stems from this. I think people just don't understand the insane markups on PC gaming prices and the do-it-yourself market. Yeah, you know, I'm not too familiar like with the exact percentages you might be, but yeah, I, I could totally tell that, you know, things do definitely get marked up. I mean, just look at NVIDIA recently. I mean, the 3090, I feel like, mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't, you know, like, like I, I haven't been following the market too much, but anything that's, you know, $1,499, I think is the MSRP for the Founders Edition. Yeah. Is just, I, wow. I, I didn't think it was going to get any worse than the 2080 Ti, but I was so, so wrong. <laughs> Well, you know, someone asked me in the Discord, I, in, in my Patreon Discord, right? One of the patrons in there asked me a question. Like, someone on Reddit said that it has $1,000 worth of RAM, and that's why it's so expensive. And I'm like, no, that 24 gigabytes is like 200 bucks worth of RAM. I know that cheap GDR6 is about $5. Expensive is about 10 to 12 and they're using GDR6X. So I think at most it's 15 to 20 bucks a gigabyte. But I know HBM is like $25 a gigabyte. At most, so there's no way GDR6X costs as much as HPM, right? Yeah. yeah for so, sure. so I think it's about 15 bucks a gigabyte for GDR6X, mm -hmm. and so you know, 15 times 24 guys. So what are we, you know? So it, it's not, man, it's not that much. It, it, they're they're spending like you know a few hundred bucks on RAM or something, um, and then they're putting it on a piece of silicon that is at most 200, probably a lot less. And then the PCB, maybe 50 bucks. And even if the cooler was $100, you know, I mean, the 3090's got a 100% markup, people. <laughs> 100%, which is absurd, like when the consoles are sold for, and a lot of smartphones, and it's not just that, TVs are often sold at losses too. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up the consoles because, you know, when they announced, I, I read a rumor a while back that the Xbox Series X uh, SOC, I'm not sure how true it is, like um, costs, like the SOC alone was like very a, a very big pro, uh, portion. I think it was like something like three hundred and fifty dollars. I don't know how accurate that is. That sounds high. I didn't look into it, but I think yeah, yeah. Was it? Did you hear anything like that? Or say it again. What did you say the price of what was the Xbox SOC? I heard that it was like around three hundred fifty dollars to make. 
or was it something? Um, like that? If that, I don't know. I would need the exact quote because what they could be talking about is the SOC on the PCB with all of the IO and all of the stuff on top of that. Um, that could be correct when you don't account for the RAM. But even adding the RAM, right? So I just said, right? Like mm-hmm. the RAM and the Xbox isn't that fast. It's pretty slow actually for GDR6 standards at this point. So it's probably about six bucks a gigabyte, you know? So maybe for all of that, yes. And then throw on top the chassis, the power supply, and of course the SSD. And you can see why they can sell it for $500. Interesting. So wait, um, the price, wasn't the price, um, five, it, it, wait, it was announced at $499 or, or $599. I thought I read $599. Uh, $499 for the Xbox Series X. Technically, they haven't confirmed that, but so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but what was the Verge, right? Had an article I sent you that leaked the Xbox Series S is yes. 300 and the Xbox is 500. Mm-hmm. Xbox Series X is 500. Okay. Mm-hmm. Xbox just confirmed the price of the Series S. Technically, they haven't confirmed the Series X, but considering everything in that set of leaked info has been correct so far, I would assume it's safe to say it's $500 for the Series X. Okay, which is actually. Right around where I think everybody expected it to be, to be honest. I don't, but I was honestly it, where I did, yeah, yeah. Me personally, I was honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to have seen you know five forty nine or maybe five ninety nine. But I'm happy to see that it's actually you know four ninety nine, like because I think that puts it right in the realm of everyone. You know, we were expecting it to be higher than last generation, so I think that's like right. In, right well, there's in the inflation, of, right? Yeah, you know, inflation. if you adjust for inflation and the fact that this is a bit stronger than last gen for the time, although honestly, again, you got to compare it to the PS4. The Xbox One had a lot of its money diverted into like an expensive camera. Yeah. If they would have taken that money and put it towards GDR5, it would have panned out much better, you know, but they didn't. And so they had this massive bandwidth deficit, and then they wasted die space that could have gone towards more shaders towards making up for the bandwidth de- <laughs> deficit because ES RAM or ED RAM takes up both, really, take up a ton of die space. Like you're just basically you're trading die space instead of putting cores for graphics on there. You're wasting that on putting RAM on die, which is low latency and fast. But I mean, you know, you can only put so much in a small space. So. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's we're kind of getting into it here. Let's go into one of the first reader mails. Okay. Uh, Andy Gangeo writes in and he says, It feels like the console war is a specs war rather than which console is the most fun of innovative. Where are the days when Nintendo was delivering Wii making games more dynamic and engaging? Can we expect something new from Sony and Microsoft to replace Connect and Move? So I think I think there's two questions there, actually. Mm-hmm. I think let's answer the first one. I mean, what do you say to the fact that... Do you think console wars are really about the specs? No, I wouldn't agree. I think, you know, mm-hmm. pre-launch, what else do you have to go off of, you know? So I think, you know, before these things actually come out... Good point. we actually start seeing the games, you can't really talk about anything else, you know? So I feel like that's why, you know, in the early days of the PS5 and um, Xbox Series X news before Sony had unveiled anything... People were like, yeah, Sony's definitely lost. They don't have as much power as the Xbox. And, and everyone, and I, I was just sitting in my chair like, you, we don't know anything about these consoles. Like, sure, they're losing in specs, but I think what really matters at the end of the day, and I'm sure everyone has heard this quote, game sell consoles. So I think the games are more important, but you know, there's guys like us who just like the tech, so we talk about it, and that's what interests us. So I feel like the console war itself isn't about specs, but 
it's fun to talk about and that's all we have until these things actually drop. So that's my opinion. Well, yeah, and I think what people forget is that Reddit is not real life or even close to most That's people. That's a good one. Right. <laughs> like you can look up you can look up the statistics. I've I found a website that shows you the, the statistics of each subreddit. And I found like for instance r slash hardware has like less comments a day than I get views an hour on my YouTube channel. Like these reddits are pretty niche guys. Reddit itself is huge. But these subreddits where people are arguing for hours on end you know, it's really about a hundred people arguing, and then you have thousand people that check in and like some of them every day. Like that's really what the statistics suggest. And most people don't care about these specs. And I've actually seen this from a lot of tech tubers and you know, computer journalists too. Like specs win console wars, and I'm like, I think that's literally never been true once. Like, Ever. like the Wii sold more, the PS2 sold more. Mm. Like guys, like I think literally to a generation. Specs have literally never won. <laughs> so how do you get this perception is just bonkers to me. And, and you know, I think it's just people learning the wrong lessons. And also, a lot of people talk a lot about the specs online. But that's not most people. And so, no, I don't think, I think it's the whole package that wins is the simple answer. And part of that package is the games and specs are just a small part of that package. They just have to enable the experience exactly. people want. And it sounds like I'm a marketing person right now, but it's no, the right. it, it's the experience, yeah. guys. Like I, it is. That is when experience isn't just a buzzword. Um, and and the, the we'll get into it later, but the specs are not as simple. And I think people are finding that now as just one big number. But anyways, the last, I do want to answer one other thing he said though, which is about, connect and move. And I mean, I, I, it, I mean, it, the PlayStation five is going to support move still <laughs> those yeah. old PlayStation move controllers. It's going to support the existing PSVR and PSVR two will use move. I think, I guess, I guess let's talk about that just briefly though. I don't know about the idea of like another Wiimote or move on its own. I think move is going to live on for a very long time in VR, but I don't know about, do you think anything like just a camera and motion controls is ever coming back? Anytime soon, I guess. I mean, the people... Never say never. Yeah, never. But, like, I think the people who would have to do it would be Nintendo. Because I don't think Microsoft or Sony are, like, trending in that direction. Like, we're talking, like, mm. the old school Wii camera, right? With, like, the controllers like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't... I think we're past that, personally. But maybe I don't see Microsoft or Sony doing it. But that's not to say it wouldn't be successful. It's very possible that it could be. But I, I, I don't see it, personally. That's me. Well, and, you know, Microsoft's openly said they're not even going to focus on VR at all with their console. So I'd, I'd say right now, I mean, I think you're always going to see small motion control add-ons to pretty much every Nintendo console, it seems, moving forward. Mm -hmm. But Sony is probably just going to focus on VR. And yeah. I think they would be best to just focus on that, by the way, when it comes to all of these, you might call them gimmicks. Um, so Sayonara writes in and says, an extreme simplification of the ninth generation. Do games sell systems better than systems sell games? Oh, we kind of... <laughs> yeah, kinda we already, answered that already. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> you would say a resounding yes, though, right? Yeah, I would say I'm... I'd, I'd say 70% experience, 30% hardware, if I had to split it up, even though that's just a rough take. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I mean, the hardware matters. But it's on a need-by-need -need basis, exactly. right? Like, what is that hardware enabling that makes it matter? It's never just the big number in itself. That's true for every device, not just consoles, mm -hmm. by the way. But So I have some notes here, and I think we're starting to get into this. 
Um, I wanted to establish a baseline before we get really deep into the main subjects of discussion, which is Sony and Microsoft's strategy this generation is what we really want to get to. But I wanted I want to touch on some older, I picked a few random consoles that I suspected we might have a lot to say about. Um, and, and I put the Dreamcast first. Now, you messaged me ahead of time and said you'd have almost nothing to say about the Dreamcast in reality. <laughs> but I put this here because this is one that I think there's a lot of hot takes I can give. I mean, what, what would you say? Because and, and let me frame it this way. A lot of people say the Dreamcast was ahead of its time. A lot of people say the Dreamcast wasn't given a chance and it was one of the best consoles, despite, I think, selling about 11 million or something. Like, what what, what is your mind set on these types of comments about the Dreamcast being great ahead of its time, all of that? Like you mentioned, I don't know too much about the Dreamcast, um, but... Depending on, I, I would need to see like you know, or hear some ex, some ex, some sort of expedition or anecdote as to why people feel the way that they do about the console. But you know, if it really was ahead of its time, ahead of its time is a in and of itself is a funny phrase. You know, not many. I think mm. people kind of overuse it sometimes. Like, what exactly does that mean? Do you, does that mean if we were to reintroduce it today, it would do better? Is like, or you got know I mean? Or if people had the certain mindset that they do now back then, it would have done better. Like, because there's so many different ways you can interpret it. Like, okay, so if we were to relaunch it today. Mm-hmm. would it have done as well? And let's say, you know, graphics aren't a big thing. Let's say like proportionally speaking to the specs and stuff like that, or at least the concept right. of it, would it have done better? Okay, you could ask that, or you can say with people with the mindsets they ha- that they have today or knowing a little bit or vaguely a little bit of what they know now, and we all went back in time, you're asking would it, ha- would it have done better? I feel like people tend to look back on these things with rose-tinted goggles to their own experiences mm. So I, you know, these are questions I don't think you could ever answer. Like, so maybe looking back, you had a great experience with it. To you, it was great. But those experiences are all subjective. And, you know, objectively, we can only look at what actually happened. So that's why I don't like the phrase. But, you know. No, that, yeah. that, that, uh, that's very fair. I wish more people would, um, would have the, I don't know, right, have the character to just openly reject phrases if they don't even agree with the concept, you know. I think a lot of times we let ourselves get forced into discussions where you just might want to take a step back and flip over the table and say, I reject the premise. I'm not afraid of people saying they reject the premise because that can be an interesting discussion as well. But to answer, you know, the people who like Dreamcast, which seems like everyone who liked played it, loved it. Like what I would say about the Dreamcast is, and especially with regards to ahead of its time, I remember this distinctly, the movie from the movie Steve Jobs. Not the movie Jobs with Ashton Kutcher. The good one. <laughs> the good one that got good reviews. The, the one that didn't whitewash him and actually portrayed him as kind of an asshole. Um, there was this scene near the end of the movie. You know, a lot of people say the Apple Newton was the precursor to the iPhone. It was ahead of its time, right? But there's this scene where the guy who was ahead, the head of Apple before Steve Jobs took over the company again It was, you know, like a Palm Pilot device with a little stylus pen, right? Mm -hmm. And Steve Jobs says, there's one major problem with the Newton, and that's that you don't need a stylus when you have five attached to your hand. And and it's such a brilliant statement. And you go, oh, the Newton was ahead of its time. Was it or did it just have a major flaw? Right? Like, that's Uh, what I would say, you know, is mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we say ahead of its time. When you're real, when you have to realize any device that's successful is getting everything it needs to get right, actually right. You see, that was the problem, as we'll get to with some of the other consoles I want to talk about, is if you don't nail what you actually have to get right, it 
but you can have a bunch of good ideas, but if they're not the important ideas, you know, yeah, exactly. I didn't. And, and and when it comes to the Dreamcast, then what can I say? It came out first. It ran a bunch of great games. It didn't have two analog sticks, though. That's a little odd, in my opinion, for launching after the PS1 or had already updated that. It had online, but it wasn't broadband. It had, you know, the uh, dial-up. <laughs> um, and it was way more powerful than the PS1, of course. Like, yeah. But the PS2 was stronger and had a DVD player. And the GameCube and Xbox were way stronger. Of course, they came out way later. So I don't know if that's a big thing to point out. But what I would say is that, you know, the problem with the Dreamcast is it didn't quite do everything you would have expected in next gen. It, I'd say it did 90% of it, but that that extra 10% mattered when it came from a big company with a DVD player. And you, you know, you can say it was, you know, cut short. And then I would say you're right. See, that's the problem is I think the Dreamcast actually sold well, but Sega ran out of money. And so it's like, mm. it's Sega's fault. They launched something they couldn't support. They basically needed it to sell as well as the Wii for it to ever keep being yeah. manufactured. And it didn't. Mm. So, I mean, that, that's what I would say about that. But I don't, I, you did say you had a lot more to say about other consoles. So let's get into uh, the PlayStation 3, which this mm. one, I believe there is a so many misconceptions about what made it successful, what hurt it. It's one of those consoles I feel like people learn the wrong lessons, or some people have. I mean, okay. I don't know what, what, what would, um, I don't know even where to start, but like, you know, I guess let's frame it up this way. It launched a year after the 360. The 360 had its own problems, like Red Ring of Death and the disc scratching problem and yeah, all of that. Yeah. Um, but the PS3 was $100 more launching a year later with questionably better specs. I mean, it was better. Honestly, I would argue almost the biggest thing it had was that you could, it actually had an HDMI port in the beginning. <laughs> like, that was actually probably the biggest thing for, like, in making the games look better, to be honest. Um but, you know, the way it was organized just wasn't that efficient. And I don't know, like, what, what would you say about, like, the failures? Because, again, it didn't do bad at the end of the yeah. day, but, like, at least the initial failure, we should say, of the PS3. Okay, so the PS3, like you said, I think there are some big misconceptions about it. I feel like whenever it gets brought up in debates, a lot of people think that the 360 just, you know, absolutely destroyed the PS3, that generation, in terms of sales or whatever. But... Mm-hmm. You know, like like you said, is that's actually not the case. Like towards the like towards the end, PS3 actually started to catch up and started selling a bit more. But in terms of like the actual like you know architecture, like the cell processor and stuff like that, Sony tried to. I think it was what was it, ARM based, right? If I remember correctly, IBM, IBM. Okay, so like the cell processor. So like it's you know it's it's hard. Like a lot of people have said, and it's true that it's harder to develop things for something that's a bit foreign. So like when you like. When they first, when it was first introduced, developers are having trouble with it, and because of that, it didn't do as well. Frame rates were a big issue, and things like that. So I feel like a lot of that kind of stuck into in people's heads. And not to mention, I let's not forget the the famous um, hack that happened of like Sony back in two thousand twelve. I want to say. Do you? Remember I remember that? it was right after SOCOM came out, and it killed that game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like it, it, like an online game and destroyed three days. I believe it was less than a week after it came out. An online focused game. There was a month of no online. It, 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 it you could argue it killed the, the company. It killed Zipper. Oh, 
Oh man, the <laughs> zipper went out of business after that. Rest so, in peace. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but like even that, I feel like that was a big thing. Like, thing the whole console was pretty much down for like three months. That was a big issue. That kind of like painted a negative light on the entire console in it, uh, in and of itself. And it, and, and like you know, it was already had this whole negative stigma that it, it you know it wasn't performing as well as the Xbox, even though it was and and because of that, people started getting the, uh, having the misconception that the Xbox was more powerful. And stuff like that even though it wasn't i feel like towards the end a lot of these issues started to get worked out like when you look at like exclusives that came out towards the end of the generation like the original last of us which looked great for his time looks like trash now but it looked really good for his time people were like people were really oh, yeah. with that. It looked really good for its time you yeah. couldn't even believe it was on a ps3 although it did have like one minute load times or more if i oh, remember yeah, right there terrible. was yeah, it was an old then again it didn't install the games so they're just loading from the disc every level but yeah exactly but yeah, so I feel like, like I feel like Sony tried to fix a problem that didn't need to be fixed. Like they tried to fix something that wasn't fixed when they introduced like the cell processor and like moving away from. Um, well, the yeah, what they had in the PS2 was just even more foreign, to be honest. Was it, it was like this crazy proprietary emotion engine chip that, yeah, like it basically didn't have a graphics card. The PS2, like it was, the processor was so powerful that they just expected you to do everything with that. It was really weird. Basically, just had a video output component bolted onto a CPU. So that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and and in fact, the PS3 almost didn't have a graphics card, and they actually wanted to launch it in 2004 or 2005, but then the cell got delayed like two years. And by then, well, now it's not that strong if it doesn't have a graphics card. So they bolted on this high end or cut down version of a high end NVIDIA graphics card at the last minute. The uh, the cell processor was designed for all types of different stuff. I, I think, yeah, they shoehorned in a CPU that they were using for other stuff similar to Blu-ray. Problem is Blu-ray player is useful, and having an overly powerful CPU that costs hundreds of dollars is uh, maybe, I think, one of the bigger mistakes Sony's ever made, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Is shoehorning that in, because it's still, it's still holding back backwards compatibility. Like the oh, fact yeah. that they put that in there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess so... I guess what I want to say is this about the PS3 too. I think what people, I think they still could have made it work much better. I think it was just the one of the most blundering launches I've ever seen. Like they launched this $600 console that has an overpowered CPU that's hard to program and a powerful graphics card, but then they kneecap it by giving it segmented RAM. I think it had like, I honestly don't remember anymore. Like I, I think it had, half a gigabyte of ram and it was segmented and then they also i don't do you remember the launch ps3s had like 10 sd card slots for like all different types of cameras built into it and like four <laughs> usb ports and it's like i get the feeling that if they would have just not segmented the memory removed all of those sd card slots cut down how many usb ports there were and given it a 40 gigabyte hard drive, they could have maybe sold it for like 450 and it would have been the same thing, honestly. No, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and it's, you, you know, point. and, but I, but I think, I think people learned the long, wrong lesson. They say the PS3 was different. So it was hard to program for. No, those are two different things. Sometimes things can be built differently than how your gaming PC is and it makes it easier to program for. Mm. Right. And, and I think, Different doesn't mean bad. They just happen to have different and bad at the same time, which was not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you said, you know, putting such a powerful uh, general purpose processor 
into that and then they, and then putting a blue well the opposite of general purpose oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> like a medical imaging yeah yeah that's kind of like, like <laughs> nsa processor like yeah. i don't even understand yeah that's, uh, that's 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 really what i'm what i meant in my mind like not general purpose but like you know pretty much besides gaming like and i, I was thinking anything mm-hmm. besides gaming so they did that put the blu-ray player in there and then you get and then you get 599 eh, 599 not a good number for that no for time and, and remember number. adjust for inflation right that was like 700 bucks and the thing that blows people away when i tell them this is i believe that actually cost 800 dollars to make they oh, they oh, no, almost yeah. bankrupted themselves selling yeah. that thing for 600 yeah it was, it was i'm pretty sure it's comes um, i mean obviously i can't remember if it's been confirmed or if like this is just like some person who claims to have worked at sony or whatever but i'm sure i've read multiple times on multiple accounts that they actually did sell the console at a deficit like a massive one. Yeah. 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 They did sell the PS3 at a deficit, especially in the beginning. So I, I guess let's lead in then to the Xbox One, right? Because this is where I worry also again that people are learning the wrong lessons. I think, especially as we've talked about on the internet, that people think the Xbox One sold worse because it was weaker and cost more when they need to. It was just the cost more, guys. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't the weaker, really. Like, it, the weaker was just like another nail, right, in, in the, the coffin. coffin. It was like, and, and and they didn't have the same games. Like, and, and to be fair, like, the PS4 did not have at the same launch line. Well, okay, it has probably a better launch line of actually than the PS3. I don't even, I guess Resistance was a good game or something. Yeah. But I mean, like, like the PS4's roster of games, I, I think the PS3's was way better, frankly, overall, at least for the time. And but but the PS4 still had more games than the Xbox One had, and it cost less. And they nailed the messaging. That's it. I think people focus on the teraflops, and they're like, "Guys, that's not what won." You know, like teraflops did not make the Wii win. Exactly. I feel like you know, as we're going back to the Xbox One versus PS4. There's, so, I guess, so many comments of people saying, oh, like, because it's, oh, fun fact, I don't know if you guys know, but I get claimed of being a Sony fanboy, like, tw- like 24-7, 100%. Oh, you're a Sony fanboy. I don't even like the concept of fanboying. I mean, honestly, I'm the type mm-hmm. of dude that if it's performing better, I'm just going to give you my opinion on it. If you don't like it, I'm I'm not going to say don't watch because that's rude, but I'm just like. Eventually, you yeah, have to make your peace with it, right? Yeah, exactly. And just go. Like I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like I'm, I'm not fanboying, and that's not to say that Xbox doesn't do great things. You know, they obviously do great things. This console looks amazing. Can't wait to pick it up. I think it was confirmed. Was it confirmed the release date for November 10th? Right. I think so. Yeah. yeah that sounds so right. I'm, I'm gonna be there. You know. So you're gonna see me online. I'm gonna get the thing. So I feel like. But my point is, I get accused of being a Sony fanboy, and people. A, a lot of a thing that people say a lot in my comments is that. Oh, so Sony fanboys were saying that the PlayStation 4 had more teraflops back in 2013, but now they're saying teraflops don't matter. I don't know if you were in 2013, but I don't even think people cared about teraflops back then. At least me, I wasn't. It's been like, talked about more this time around, yeah, actually. I think you're right. Yeah, exactly, I mean, some people more. did, but. Yeah, just it wasn't like when I was like looking at console news, it wasn't nearly talked about as much. So I feel like. I wasn't talking about it, so I. But that's a big comment that I get. Yeah, teraflops. People weren't talking about it. Now people are talking about it. I'm. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tangent, but that's that's a funny thing. That no, happens. but yeah. you know, and and you know, I just thought of something too. Does it annoy you extra then, though, when you see somebody go, 
I'm a PlayStation fanboy and I like your coverage. Like, do you, like, cause that pisses me off even harder <laughs> is when people are like, I'm a PlayStation fanboy and that's good. And I'm like, dude, fuck off. I don't want any fanboys. I don't, I don't yeah. want any of them. Uh, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't piss me off. It's more like, it's just funny. I feel like I, I read comments on my spare time and I just, I love laughing, you know, I'm a pretty funny dude. So I love laughing. So I feel like I see those comments and I'm just like, you know, welcome to the channel. Like great to have you. But I feel like the number one thing that keeps me from responding to comments, cause I feel like I want to, you know, appear as unbiased as possible. So if you blatantly say in a comment, that you're a PlayStation fanboy, if you have this really thought out comment, like this, you know, you have some opinion and mm-hmm. it's really long and I really enjoyed it. And then at the end, you're just like, go Sony, hashtag Sony fanboy, all this stuff. And I, I'm yeah, like, then I won't, then I won't like it. That's the quickest way to get me to not like your comment. Yeah, is exactly. ending it with that. I'm just like, ah, I wanted to respond. I did, but it's just, I feel like, so it keeps me from, I guess, interacting, but not really, I won't ever like, it won't ever get me mad because I feel like if you're a fanboy, if you're not a fanboy, feel free to watch. You know, either way, I feel like the coverage is what's more important or just, you know, talking about things is cool. But yeah, it's just, just, yeah. You know, what what, what can you do? I, I It was something where, and I've seen some of my, shall we call them colleagues, right? Other people on YouTube that might have a preference for AMD or NVIDIA or or Sony or Microsoft. But then they try to, I feel like it's it's easy to overcorrect, right? Because everyone has a preference, right, yeah. towards one company. But that doesn't mean you're a fanboy or that doesn't mean you're not trying extra hard to make sure that doesn't cloud your judgment, which I try, you know, I do try to be as objective as I can. And I just see a lot of tech tubers then overcorrect, though. Like you'll have a, a tech tuber who clearly likes AMD and then he'll do a video one time AMD did something wrong and be like, oh, AMD effed up and like go overboard. Yeah. And it's like, we get it, dude. You're trying to prove you're not a fanboy. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit guilty of this sometimes. You know, I, like, we've all done it. Yeah, we all. Yeah, I feel like we've all done it. Like, you know, and I just like, you know, exactly what you, it's exactly what you said. You know, I try to like make uh, make it make it clear that I'm not trying to be biased in any sort of way. It's just how I personally feel. And I try to remain objective. And I think honestly, I think my problem is if you ever watch my contact uh, content is that I make a lot of jokes, like in my, in my, or at least I try to be funny, at least somewhat funny. So I feel like a lot of people just don't. A lot of people, if I'm making a joke mm. on your console of choice, they like, might think you're rubbing it in or yeah, something. They might think that I'm rubbing it in, yeah. even though I'm just honestly, it's a little bit of crude humor, but that's just the kind of guy that I am. So I feel like I'm gonna make the joke either way. So yeah, but I have I have been you know guilty of overcorrecting a little bit. And I realize it's a good thing I realized it early on and stopped mm-hmm. doing that. You know, it's not yes. it's not good to do that. Like if you're a rising content creator or whatever, like don't do that. You know, just always stick to your guns. Just try to make sure keep your head as clear as possible and be objective. But overcorrecting is really bad. It doesn't look good. You know, you know, some people have this like nihilistic view where they're like, oh, most people are stupid or don't get it. It's like, well, no, most people are pretty good at reading emotions on human faces. So if you're overcorrecting, they can tell, you know, they can yeah. tell you're overcorrecting and it's going to come off as a little cringeworthy. And, and that's why I've just made my peace with it. And it's like, you know, I have a reader mail section for my patrons to ask me any questions. I literally put a section for making bets against things I've said so that I have to talk to it or I have a correction <laughs> section and I just go through, what do you think I got wrong in these videos? It's just, it's on you guys to bring it up for my podcast and then I'll talk about it. Cause otherwise I'm not going to focus on it. And, um, but yeah, let's let's get to one of those. Uh, Telos writes in and says, I think the various companies simply get so wrapped up sometimes in one part of a strategy 
and they forget the rest of it. It can happen if companies get tunnel vision on one thing way too much. And I think that's something I want to talk about a little bit too, because you can have a really good idea for a device, but if you over-focus on it, you can it may, that good idea becomes a bad idea. Yeah. And again, I the example I want to use is Connect. Connect was a fantastic idea. I remember the first trailer I saw for it. God, when was that? 2011? I don't know. You know, way back then for the 360. And I was like, oh, this is a big deal. Sony's just making a way more accurate version of a Wiimote. But Microsoft's removing the controller. That's an interesting idea. And it sold crazy well. The mm-hmm. problem is they then thought that was the only good idea for the rest of time. That doesn't mean Connect <laughs> was a bad idea. Connect was a good idea. Yeah, for sure. But it should not have been, you know, force-fed to people when the console first dropped. That was definitely a mistake. And going back to his question a little bit to kind of change it up, I feel like when he met, he mentions a company gets wrapped up wrapped up in one a single strategy, we could kind of take this and look at Microsoft and Sony as a whole, right? Like Microsoft, that's yeah, yeah, they're trending towards you know let's let's talk about services, services, services. Sell Games Pass, sell this, and even I, if I remember correctly, they just announced that you could actually finance an Xbox Series S or X now. Like they've announced, which I did a video on a month ago, saying they were going to do it for twenty five dollars a month, and they are. By hey, the way, nice. I just want to give that shout out. <laughs> but go on, yeah, yeah. So they're not they're not financing this. So you and they're with the finance, they're including. I am not sure. I think it was Games Pass, and you know. Mm -hmm. You get a console. I believe it's you get the console, no money down. And then you also get, I don't know how long the contract is though. If it's $25 a month, I would hope it's just a one year contract. But yeah. Yeah. Like they, they're offering you these services when you get the console and stuff like that. So it's clear the direction that Microsoft wants to take. Eventually they just want to like, you know, just completely get rid of like Phil Spencer said it. They don't like, he doesn't like the concept of a generation, so to speak. He wants like, you know, to be a fluidity kind of more like, you know, the PC, uh, you know, market space. So I feel like that's what they're trending towards. And then Sony is well, the after losing opposite. three in a row. I bet they don't like it. <laughs> that's, I mean, Sorry. I had to do that, a slam. <laughs> like, cause let's be honest. Like, why would, like, can we just stop? For, like, it's not biased for me to say this is an obvious pivot when they can't seem to sell the most consoles, any generation. Like, it doesn't matter which one you do. Xbox like tied the GameCube in last 360 sold less than the PS3 and the Wii. Xbox one sells less than the switch and the PS4. I think they should stop making consoles because they can't seem to win any generation. <laughs> and I know this is the soundbite where they say I'm a fanboy, but is anything I just said, not a fact guys. Come on. Yeah, for sure. Like, like honestly, like, so it's not surprising that they're going in this direction and that's what they're doing. Sony though, they're like, stick, they're sticking to, you know, the tried and mm-hmm. true generations, exclusives, exclusives, more exclusives. And then some more on top of that, just keep, you know, you know, doing what they, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Fair enough, you know? But I feel like eventually these, this split might get to a breaking point where one is going to come out on top. But I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the direction that Microsoft is going in just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just it's obvious. Bit. Yeah, like, I feel like it's going to be one of those things that just comes out of nowhere and blindsides everyone. Like, it, it's just one day it's just going to click. They're going to have two games three games three great games like three guys i saw wars. your video on that that was an yeah. interesting point yeah like three god of war type games on xbox games pass and you could finance a series s or x for 25 dollars a month and people are not that you're going to tack it on like their netflix subscription or their you know hulu subscription their phone bill and people aren't even going to notice it anymore all of a sudden everybody has an xbox and now they have these great games on games pass and then mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's just going to take you know one 
one like one thing to metaphorically break the camel's back. So I feel like like further down the line, this could be a huge success for Microsoft or Sony could keep dominating. Like we, I have no idea which tactic is going to work, but I'm not going to discredit the direction Microsoft is going in now, even though they're not really, you know, putting that much oomph into it. If they, I feel like if they just want to, I agree. Harder, I, I, yeah. Yeah. A little bit harder. They could actually have something on their hands. That's how I feel. So, so I so yeah, I actually have a ton to say about that. As you can imagine. I mean, I think the idea of Game Pass is a great idea if nailed correctly. And I think and I think you brought up that idea too that eventually you could even see them putting it on PlayStation, which we all know they want to do that eventually, I think. Oh yeah. For and sure. you also said, but then eventually PlayStation may put their games on Game Pass, right? Yeah. <laughs> like and 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 I think people just need to stop looking at these, you know, they call it a war. Like I'm putting big parentheses in the air, you know console wars from a fanboy lens. If you remove the fanboy lens, you can see a future where Sony doesn't care and just throws their games on Game Pass or where Microsoft doesn't care and they just start putting their games on PlayStation. They don't care. They don't care. Xbox uses Sony Blu-ray players. They don't care. You know, it it doesn't matter. They just want to make money. What I would say for Game Pass is, like you said, they need to go harder. Like, I think if they want this to succeed... I mean, Sony dug themselves into a financial pit to not lose the PlayStation 3 generation. Oh, yeah. And that's because they were in it to win it, baby. I, Microsoft needs to be in it to win it for this to succeed. And I think that's my hesitancy is that I'm not sure they will be. Like, I think $25 a month is too much. I think they should have done this if they really w- want this to succeed. I think it's $15 a month already or something. Like, I think they just should have said, that's it. It's $15 a month. Sign a two-year contract. We're going to give you the Series S for free. That would have been insane, honestly. That's peanuts to them, too. Are you going to tell me they're not making the money back? $15 times 24? They definitely would have. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been that would have been And they should have launched it sooner. I think launching the Series S at the same time is a mistake. I think this is a small console that even if it's in small quantities, they should try to launch this thing now to get market share before the PlayStation launches. Then again, I don't know, right, if their production would have allowed that, but I think they should have at least tried to launch it first. And and that's the problem. That's how I can see Game Pass failing. Is if Number one, they never quite make it cheap enough. Like, I'm going to say it. Like, have the balls to kill Xbox Live Gold. Kill it. Just kill it. Make online gaming free. And then just say uh, online gaming's free. You remember, what was that? I think during the 360 gen in the beginning, I think games came to silver a week later. Why would you even do that? (laughs) Like, you're going to say people can't buy something a week. Like, like, you're like, like, like that type of old school old world mentality, they should kill paying for online, kill a lot of these online services. People are buying your, con- or paying for them, I should say. People are buying your console. They should expect an online service. God knows you're tracking them and selling it to uh, advertising <laughs> people anyways. <laughs> like, And I think they should just have the balls to kill Xbox Live Gold and make it $10 a month for all access. No, no yearly, you know, no yearly subscription option. It's just $10 a month, but you literally get you know, like, what is it? Like 10 games a month for free or whatever. And and if they did that, it could succeed. It but could. then the other problem I see with them, besides not being aggressive enough, which was my point with all of that rambling, is they actually need a good game. Yeah, they need a poster I, boy. Because if they don't have a good game, I'm going to be honest, like, 
I have PlayStation Plus, and I don't play half of those games because I just don't feel like it. Yeah. You know, first world problems. <laughs> I, 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 I think you need to make people want it. You can say you're getting all these games for free, but if it's like a four-year-old, you know, whatever, yeah. right? Like, the, wasn't it like the Division 2, I think they put on it, but it wasn't the Division 2 like $3 a month ago? Yeah, like, like, come exactly. on, man. <laughs> like, like, you gotta, it can't just be a good deal. It has to be a deal people want, and then they'll keep it because it's a good deal, you know? That's what Netflix did, right? They put all these exclusives on there, shows, and then, of course, you're going to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, like, but 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 like, cause that's what I'm saying, right? I, I worry that like Gears of War isn't, it's an old series, you know. Halo, God knows how that's going to turn out. I actually, mm. actually, I'm a little more optimistic on the new Halo than I was a week ago after listening to a couple of opinions on it online. But I, I, you know, I, I don't think I think they need something like you said. They need a new new people, <laughs> not just the same shit we've had for ten years. They need a new exclusive on there to really make people sign up. Exactly. Yeah. And it needs to be, needs to be mind blowing. Something just insane. Like they really need to put the get a studio, not three four three, some other studio, and like get them to do something crazy. Like because honestly, I, I think a lot of people just like they look at YouTubers and they're like, oh, this guy's a fanboy, this guy's a fanboy, or whatever. And like I'm just in the camp that if both companies made great games, who would be losing? Honestly, like if, I know, right? Like who would like if if we had just as many great Xbox exclusives as we did P, uh, PlayStation exclusives. Uh, t- who's losing? Like, who cares? Like, I, I want a God Play- of War. PlayStation Xbox. made its best games when 360 was competing, you know? Like, I don't know why people don't get that. Like, the better Xbox does, the better PlayStation does, and vice versa. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as you start bringing competition to the table, the consumer wins. Straight up. That's all. It's always been like that. So I feel like twice as many games, twice as many good games, like, who's losing? Honestly. Well, so, and, and then this is my other concern with Game Pass, right? The biggest problem I have with that Halo Infinite, you know, showcase that they did opening their game showcase isn't how bad it looked. It's that they actually showed it first, right? <laughs> like that's like, so, so that means did Phil Spencer, like I keep saying this, did Phil Spencer see that? And he was like, yeah, that looks great. Because if he did, <laughs> he has no clue what a good game looks like. And oh, that's yeah. my problem is that they led with Halo. So I worry they're looking at all these exclusives as just checkboxes, which is I've heard a lot of people say actually about that game showcases. It's like, here's the Ratchet and Clank checkbox, but it doesn't look as good. Here's this, here's another Halo. But really, I mean, why even call it Halo Infinite? It might as well be titled The Another Halo. Like, like, cause it doesn't look new. There's nothing yeah. new, you know? And and that's the one worry I have is that Microsoft is looking at this from a very suit suit-like mentality of just like, make sure we have enough checkboxes. But if you don't have that it factor, again, having a bunch of games that just look like the same games from 20 years ago or look like a low-rent version of Ratchet and Clank, people are just going to buy Ratchet and Clank. They'll exactly. pay for the experience. People have money, right? Like, they will pay for it. And that's what gets me scared. Like, you said, like, a whole suit sort of checkbox uh, sort of thing. That's what gets me scared from Microsoft. I feel like, you know, they're a really big company, obviously. Like, one of the biggest companies in the world. So I feel like down to the Xbox division, like that level, do like do like the higher ups at Microsoft really care enough? Is that you brought it up? Like, or are they just looking for margins everywhere? You got know what I mean? Like that, or mm-hmm. is that is that why they introduced Games Pass just for margins? Or did did they actually have like a revolutionary idea? Did they just look to Netflix and copy it, or are they actually trying to do something? So I feel like they're 
recently they've been missing the the it factor, the oomph or the passion, I feel like. So I feel like they have great ideas, you know, they could do well, but they just got to stop looking towards other places and just do something on their own. And if they did that, I have no doubt in my mind that it would be successful. Like it would, there's no way it wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so they, they really got to dig deep and just do something. Honestly. Yeah. You know, and, and I think this brings me to like the other side of this, this tunnel vision concept. I like, I, and you've alluded to it too. Sony totally could make the same mistake except the other side of the coin. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like they are, and I want to be clear, guys, what I've been, what I've heard, you know, I did that PlayStation 5 leak. I think the hardware is actually way more capable than people give it credit. Like it's, it's, it's going to do some games that you just straight up can't do anywhere else. And that's clearly what their goal was. Um, but, and, and, and in addition to the hardware leak I had, I talked about these like new exclusives coming, which I'm just going to remind, guys, I, I haven't changed it. I don't know when they're going to reveal it. They have God of War 2 that they've shown behind closed doors. Yeah, like, I saw they've got video. that demo. I saw your video on that. Yeah. And I, I, I was looking at your video. I was like, is, is he serious? I was, honestly? Yes. Oh, man. Like, if you're, if you're right, guys, I don't know if he's right. He doesn't show me things. But if you're right, that's, that's insane. Like, like, shout out to you. <laughs> so, but there's that other launch exclusive I hinted at, right? It's, it's still there. They have another launch exclusive they haven't even told you guys about. And there are other ones coming as well that I think I have to be careful, right? Because it because I've also heard Sony's going like full on war mocked on leakers right now. Like, so I have to be careful what I reveal because it might give away something. But but basically, my understanding is I had two sources say cryptically something like this: whatever exclusives you think they could be bringing, it's probably all of them. <laughs> like Sony's buying studios and. My understanding, and again, I've heard a few people say this now, is that near the halfway through the PlayStation 4 generation, they realized they've won. So they had a lot of studios that were going to crank out late-gen games. Obviously, well, The Last of Us Part Two is actually meant to come out like halfway through the gen or something, I think, but it was delayed. delayed. So that one still came out on PS4. Um, And there are all these other games, though, that they said, yeah, uh, just, uh, just, just, Program it for something that might be four times, five, six times better, and it'll run. You know, <laughs> like my understanding is that they have a, they put down their hand and said, these are now PS5 games, so we don't need them on PS4. And so they have a whole mountain of exclusives. They're ready to reveal whenever they want. Um, it just matters when they want to. You haven't seen half of what they've got yet, guys. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's them doubling down on this, what won them the PS3 gen, at least relative to. Software sales, I guess, as you would put it, that we sold more consoles, um, is having a lineup of exclusives that no one can compete with. The problem is, man, if they don't change fundamentally what PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now is, yep. I, I really do. And then, like you said, which is something for some reason I didn't even think of, you know, and then they get some kind, something that is actually a new series and as good as God of War on Game Pass. I think they'll still sell consoles, right? They'll, people yeah. will still buy the PS5 for their games, but they're leaving a lot of money on the table. And this is the tunnel vision that I think will work well initially, but could completely backfire on them. They could find themselves a dinosaur, right? In a few years. They're doing great now. Like, you know, like I said, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. But eventually, just change it up a little bit. No one's going to be mad if you if you have like a competitor to games pass or eventually i know that's a far-fetched idea right now for sony but eventually 
no one's gonna be mad. Everyone's gonna buy. I bet you everyone's gonna buy it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they should really just start thinking of doing something just a bit different. Well, you know, the funny thing is Xbox still has X Cloud or whatever it is in beta, and Sony already has PS Now. Like, I think what a lot of people might be underestimating is how easy it would be for Sony to make their own version of Game Pass, like just snapping a oh, finger. Yeah. Like they already kind of do with PlayStation Plus. Like, and I think that's but I, I'm going to be honest, what, and I think PS Now has games on it where you can download them and play them locally without even streaming. So it's yeah, kind of like all access. Like, this is where I go, look, if Sony wants to make sure they check the boxes that protect them from having a weak spot this gen, they just need to kill PS Now and bundle it with PlayStation Plus. Like, and I think PlayStation Plus is a better name, frankly. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. I, like, like, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Like, it would be pretty easy for them to just get rid of PS Now, combine it with PS Plus. Like, I don't know why they don't do that, except so, for cost, maybe, but... Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So, if they combine it, would they change the cost or add it as, like, an option? Or what, what, what are you thinking on that? I mean, I don't know. I would almost wonder if they should do the same thing we've already said Xbox should do, which is, you know, kill pain for online, which, which I think... Can we agree if Xbox, which has been rumored, if Xbox kills pay to play online, Sony will just do that too, right? I'm, yeah, like they kind of have to, you yeah, know, and they kind of already do, right? I think GTA Five and like a bunch of games are already free to play on PlayStation Online. Yeah, exactly. I think they just did it because they saw the original three. Well, sorry, the 360 just making mm-hmm. so much free money off of it. They're like, we could probably do this too, so they did. So, but yeah, if they, if Xbox kills it. I'm sure Sony Sony will follow soon. Like they won't be far that far behind. But to uh, to add on to what you said, so bundling PlayStation Now into PS Plus, or just getting rid of PlayStation Now and uh, including it with PS Plus, I see two outcomes. So I feel like if they increase the price, like all right, so if they increase the price and make it not an option to not have it, that's a mistake. But if they increase the price and only do so as an option, I don't think many things will change. We have changed the name, so I feel like they would have to like. Either mm. put it and increase the price or put it and lose all those subscribers from PlayStation Now. And I think both yeah. of them is a lose-lose situation, at least initially, because I think PlayStation Now, I read this crazy statistic, has something like, a, I don't know, like a, I can't remember exactly, but a ridiculous amount of um, subscribers. like More than you would expect. Yeah, more than you would expect. Uh, it used to be one of the most successful streaming game services. I think it's been passed now. By someone, I don't remember who. I think it isn't anymore, right? I think it depends. Like if you're, I think Xbox All Access is doing better than PS Now. No, though. okay, that's not really the same thing. You could argue because X Cloud isn't really up and running yet. But. Yeah, yeah. Like so, they have so many like subscribers, right? So if they put it into PS Plus and kill the pricing, they just add it for free. That's a lot of money, you know. Like that's being left on the mm. table, and I think people underestimate like how much money that you know is being lost there. Because like I, all right, so I, I didn't want to say a number, but I, the number that's floating around in my head is two million subscribers. But I, like that's what's floating in my head. <laughs> that might be true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, go on though. Yeah, that's what's floating in my head. The number is floating is two million subscribers, and I think it's like what I, I can't even remember the price. Maybe nine ninety nine a month. That's two point two million. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I like, just looked it up. That's a considerable amount of money, you know, that they're losing out on. Of course, they're a big company. What does it matter? Like, they're, it's not like this, they're going to, like, you know, fall off the market if they do that. But so it's going to be a win for us. So at, at, if that happens, like, they're really going to need to figure out a way to just get more people to buy PS Plus. Like, and, but if you get rid of pay to play online, right, 
Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like, you know, if you get rid of that, not many. Let's be serious. If you didn't have to buy PS Plus to play, would you get? Would I get it? Um, I, yeah, I would. Yeah, you know, like, because I like the backing up, the saves, the free games, you know, all of that stuff. And I, uh, but what? And I've heard a lot of people I listen to on podcasts say they would still keep, you know, whatever, like an Xbox or a PlayStation service if it didn't require paying for online. But I don't know if we're just the heavy users. I don't know how many people. You know, I don't know if we would because we're the the enthusiasts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wonder if I I, I don't know. I don't know if most people would cancel it. I don't I know. I think I think honestly, I think most people might. It just depends. Like, but then that means I, you need to make PS Plus actually good. Exactly. Right? That's just what I was like Xbox say. All yeah. Access, right? That, that's exactly what I was gonna say. If you do that, the games are actually gonna need to be worth it. And that's going to open like a whole another can of worms. Like, how are you going to get that many games on there? You know, do you really want to put this game in this subscription service, even though you like exclusives, the concept of exclusives? So then you're like clashing at the top level of like what direction you want to go in. So it's kind of like it goes back to that fundamental switch. Like, what do you like? What do they want to do? Because I feel like going down the route that you mentioned is going to be like, you know, they might end up running into a brick wall with what they've always been doing. So, well. You know, and it's funny, um, you almost wonder, because you're right, you know, it would be kind of jarring if <laughs> just overnight Sony did that. <laughs> They're just like, hey, just out of nowhere, we're killing, you know, basically one of the main parts of PlayStation Plus, but now PlayStation Now is gone. Sorry if you were paying more for it. Now, you know, <laughs> you know, like, and now we're jacking up the price of this. People will be confused, like, wait, so now my PlayStation Plus co- subscription costs more, but I get more. You almost wonder if they need to, like, do it slowly. Like they need to like slowly start merging them over the next year and then just take a step back and finally say, yeah, we combine them, you know, like, because do you remember PlayStation Core? I think it was spelled Q-O-R-E. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty niche. So early in the PlayStation 3 generation, they were trying all different types of things, throwing stuff at the wall. Um, One, they, they kind of created a subscription service light. That was called PlayStation Core, and it would come with like exclusive betas, demos, trailers, eventually content every month. And then you'd also get this like monthly show. And they did that for like a year or two years or something. And then it may have just been one year. I don't know, right? Like, I think I remember the first episode you got like the PlayStation con, I mean, the uh, SOCOM confrontation beta. So that's why I remember it. And of course, that game didn't work either. But, um, (laughs) I think then PlayStation Plus comes out and then PlayStation Plus gives you all these betas and demos for free. And oh yeah. And then like Correlate, you have trials of games before you bought them. But then PlayStation Plus added that. And eventually it was like, wait, why does Core still exist, guys? (laughs) And then like within a month, they were like, yeah, we're canceling it. By the way, guys. You know, and I wonder if they need to do something similar so it's not, no one cares about Core, so it's not a good example. But like, I wonder if they need to do a similar thing where they just slowly merge it over time. You know, because because uh, I think, do we agree they need to do it though eventually? Like yeah, they do. For sure. They need yeah. to compete with Xbox All Access, so they can't. Whether it's jarring or a loss of money or not, it's like, well, you know, you sold the PS3 at an absurd loss because you wanted to win. Do you still want to win? Because you're going to have to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I think you know. I guess one of my points is when people say so, there's no way Sony can compete with play, with Xbox All Access. It's like, well. They just combine two services they already have, and they are guys. I don't know about that, you know. And it's just like you say, you know, Xbox can't compete. Well, they will when they want to. You know, they just need to actually make good games. Yeah, because they have the money. Trust me, <laughs> they definitely have the money. 
gosh, Reese. Why does Windows 10 Professional have to be so expensive? Don't listen to that, nerd. Listen to me. You can get all the great windows and gaming keys you need at CDK Offers. I have a plan. Go to cdkoffers.com to get all the Windows Professional and Microsoft Office keys you need, and games as well. Add them to your cart, and you can even apply one of them city slicker promotional codes like Dashrank for 3% off software and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. I do have an account on this website, and it is ultra easy to use. Just submit your order, use PayPal, credit card, or Bitcoin, and go to Windows website to download Microsoft Professional. One more time, that's go to cdkoffers.com. They're a fantastic sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead. Use offer code DOSHRINK for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows products. Now, back to the show. Yeah. All right. So let's switch gears a bit here, as you can see where we're going on this script. So confirmed SK writes in and says, do you think NVIDIA showcasing the RTX 3090 running 8K games was a jab at the consoles? Because I'm not certain that the RTX 3080 with 10 gigabytes could do the same thing. I mean, no, 10 gigabytes of RAM isn't enough to run 8K in a lot of games. I'm sure there's plenty of games where it actually is enough RAM still. but um. I think that our to answer confirmed SK directly. I think the 8K reference was just to justify the $1,500 price, whether it actually runs it well yeah. or not. <laughs> you I know agree. what I mean? I agree. I don't think NVIDIA, I mean, I'm sure NVIDIA does care about competing with consoles, but I don't think they're concerned with that. They're more concerned about, like you said, justifying the price or just competing with AMD. Like, I don't really think they're specifically saying consoles can't do this and we can. Nah, I don't, at least I would assume so. Not like, you know, I think to a certain degree, though, right? Like when people are surprised the RTX 3070, which should be a bit stronger, at least in brute performance than the consoles, is $500. It's like they need to, though, have something stronger than the consoles for the price of the entire console. Or the, I mean, the amount of comments I've seen of people looking at prices of what they thought these graphics cards were going to cost and going, I'm just going to rage quit into consoles. Like people will, right? If the consoles were stronger than an equivalent NVIDIA graphics card, people will rage quit into consoles, I think. Some of them will. Um, I don't know. Maybe you disagree with that. So wait, let me just clarify. So if you're, you're saying if there wasn't a card like the 3070, that would just be, you know, just a bit better than the consoles. Yeah, I mean, I think... would leave. I saying. think... Yeah, and I want to be clear what I mean by that because there's going to be some people, especially NVIDIA fanboys, who jump in here and go, oh, it's 10 times stronger than the consoles. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, guys. First, of, and I do need to actually say this, I think, even though it's a little off subject. So, and I made this clear in my last video about NVIDIA and, AM, and AMD competition. They say the 2070, I mean, the 3070 is a 20 teraflop card. 
okay, well, they're also openly saying it's the same performance as the 13 and a half teraflop 2080 Ti. So clearly Ampere teraflops are not equal <laughs> to a Turing teraflop when it comes to gaming performance. Teraflops do not equal gaming performance, people. And so it, it, I think it's about two thirds. So yeah, I mean, I would say, what is that then? That's like literally like 13 or ish teraflops should be in Turing, which is about the same IPC as the console. So yeah, I mean, I think the 3070 is probably about 15% to 20% stronger than the GPU in the Xbox Series X. And I know this is when the PC Master Race people try to destroy me, but like that, it's about 20% better, guys. You know, I mean, it's I'm probably better at ray tracing, you know, but, but they need to have that stronger and the same price as the Series X. Or, I mean, that would be ridiculous, don't you think? Yeah. So, okay. So now I, I get what you mean. So, so now do I think people are going to, if they didn't have that, do I think people would leave if they didn't? Um, I want to say no, I don't think so. Cause I think it goes back to like the whole, you know, concept of if you have a PC, you're probably a bit more technologically inclined or at least a bit more interested in the stuff. So I feel like let's be serious. If you're on PC, you're not here to save money. If we were, we'd be <laughs> like, honestly, like we're not here to like, Oh, you know, uh, of course people are here to build budget gaming rigs. You know, people there, there is that market of people who want to be PC players and, you know, want to have the most efficient, uh, uh, sorry, the most efficient build that they can. And that's fine, you know, but like by and large, even if, even if you could build a PC, if you had, if a PC player had an option to get a $400 console or build a $400 PC, like, you know, with, you know, same, let's say, I think most would build the PC because they want to build a PC because they want to build the PC. So like, so would people leave for sure? I'm sure tons of people will leave. And if you add a little bit of more incentive, I don't know, whatever that incentive may be, I'm sure Mm -hmm. people would leave, but off, off like the jump off the rib. I don't think many people. You don't think most. Yeah, most. Yeah, I'm gonna say most. But there, there definitely, there is definitely people who would leave, but just not most. Is what I was, is what I was. I, I was gonna say because I actually kind of want to play devil's advocate here. Um, mm, okay. And here's why. Okay. I think most years you're right, but I, if we go back to my theory that people rage quit consoles and built PCs, I have a lot of friends who did that. I'm like right. So some of that comes from my own anecdotal evidence, but. I know a lot of people that built these gaming PCs in like 2015 and then they had driver issues or a Windows update caused blue screens for a little bit. I'm sure we you've dealt with that too, like yeah. all of these ridiculous Windows updates. And I think if you've always been a PC gamer like me or you, you're just like, yep, <laughs> I don't know life. what to tell you. Yeah, that's, that's just life. life. <laughs> but I have a lot of friends who say, you know... Maybe I don't want to be a PC gamer because they can't <laughs> deal with it, and it happens, you know. And I, you know, I play games with a lot of my, some of my friends. I've like you know my gaming group, right? And we get on at least a couple times a week, especially with my brother, who's the co-host of most episodes. Um, and there will be times where we just want to get on Battlefield Five. Oh, it turns out there was an update, and now I need to download new drivers. And now I oh, and now the controller's not activating on this game so it's hard to drive the tanks why why is that not working and you know if we just boot up say uh we have a zombie army 4 on the playstation just because it was on sale when we wanted to play it Mm -hmm. that's always worked when i pressed x you know like i mean (laughs) you know and i think there's a lot of people that built pcs because of how long the generations were dragging on and because they did get this master race perception that are realizing maybe they do just want to plug in something to a TV and sit back and game. So I don't know. I think I think you kind of said that though, right? That there are some who would leave. But I think I don't know what the number is though. I think there are a lot of people that 
are into peace. A lot of people, a lot of people write me reader mails and say in my YouTube comments, if all I do, like I don't care about how many cores Zen has, for instance, or whatever, I just want my PC for gaming. What's the best price performance? And I'm like, Mm, a console. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and I think there are more people that just build a desktop to game than than I think me or you would think, right? You 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 know, you you're majoring in a major that would require a decent PC. So did I. But I don't think most people do that. Yeah, now that you bring it up, yeah, I think you, you did kind of, you know, change my mind a little bit. You know, just a little bit. Like, yeah, you, you're totally right. Like when you brought it up, like me or you, like ah, like at least me well, with what I do, like I don't even use my PC to game as much. I feel like I split it up mainly with like like how I work between you know whatever it mm-hmm. may be, school, YouTube, or well, school, gaming, and YouTube. Like and and whenever I like make my YouTube videos, like you know rendering times and stuff like that. So I feel yes, like that's what I want to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like whenever I do that, that's why I have like whatever processor i have in here well, that's why my processor is like this or that's why i have this graphics card because i need this much mo- this x amount of ram yeah, that's why i have faster. a radeon 7 you know people are like do you regret grading the radeon 7 or are you going to sell it now and it's like i use my radeon 7 as 16 gigs of ram and it already has i think it's overclocked to like 14 teraflops already guys <laughs> like yeah. I, and it's like no that doesn't translate directly into gaming performance but it sure shit renders these videos i make for you guys faster exactly so that's why i have it you know that's why i have a whatever thousand dollar pc exactly yeah so i feel like that's a big part for me so my judgment and your judgment might be a little bit skewed and that's kind of what you made me realize that you know i use it for content creation and for school and stuff like that. But for the people who just use it to game and don't care about the cores and don't care about the specs, that's an interesting question. They, yeah, they probably would end up leaving. Now the question becomes what percentage do they make up of people who actually play PC? And I I, I have no clue. I have no idea. You know, it it should be something where, but you know, there is like, cause I can, I've done polls on my YouTube channel that'll get, 10,000 responses. I can get some pretty decent numbers in the polls I put out there. But then, you know, anyone who follows my channel probably going to skew very heavily into the enthusiast side that uses yeah. their PC for more than just gaming. Mm-hmm. But it would, it would be good if like, it would be funny if like I reached out to another channel. Like I'm trying to think of a more, like if I could find like a console, like some IGN YouTube channel and get them to do the poll. And then like combine it with my info and see what the numbers suggest. Because I do wonder what it is. Because, you know, it's like, I think we both kind of said yes and no at the same time. It, we, the only thing we may disagree on is guessing what that percentage is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would Me personally, I would assume that it's on the lower end. Maybe I like definitely, in my opinion, definitely not high. You know, like it mm-hmm. wouldn't be like 30% or anything like that. I'd feel like it'd probably be like in the 20s if I had to guess. Maybe... That may be a bit high. I don't know. That's just a like a ballpark. Well, what would you mm-hmm. say? The people see. It's like it's hard because now I need to classify what the percentages we're pulling from. So twenty percent of what? All people who build desktops, or am I talking about the twenty percent of people who watch my channel? I think that's the only thing I can even guess accurately at. So I'll just I'll just do that. Okay. I you know and and the, and, he, and then you also have to remember like. My last guest was Daniel Nenny, who founded SemiWiki.com. So I've, I have plenty of followers who are like into servers and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think at least though of the views I get, which I get more views than subscribers usually. So that's fair, I guess. I think uh, a third of the people who watch my videos just want their piece, want their PC 
let's say, let's call it 75% for gaming and that they would make do with an older PC as long as it could still render well if they needed to and just get a console. I think, I think a third. And, and I think I, mine is an enthusiast biased percentage, but I'm not going to, I don't feel comfortable hazarding a percentage guess at whatever the greater good, you know, the greater numbers are, but I'd say <laughs> my viewers, I think a third do. I'm sure we're going to find out in the comments. Yeah, sure. And there's going to be tons of people taking each other's heads off. No, it's this, it's that. I mean, we already talked about PlayStation 3 and Xbox One, so there was already going to be flame wars. I've just made my <laughs> peace with that. Um, you know, let me, let's, let's actually switch gears directly to this, though. This is kind of like, we were touching on it here. I just want to talk with you openly, like, when are people going to get through their heads that no single spec is what determines frame rates or performance, like teraflops? Like, I think you've ranted about this a dozen times, too, that you cannot believe people are just... How many people think teraflops directly equal gaming performance? Honestly, uh, this is going to sound bad, but I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly blame Microsoft for this greater thing because how much they pushed it with the Series X. Like, they just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. So then kind of like people just started rolling with it. Because like we brought up before, like we kind of hinted towards it that... In the last console uh, re- generation release, that it wasn't as big of a thing as it was this time around. That's just ha- that just has to do with like the marketing that Microsoft has been doing. And you know, to their credit, like teraflops, while it doesn't indicate um, you know performance in games, these two it's an indication are, of some things. Yeah, you know? it's an indication of some things. So generally speaking, more teraflops technically maybe will be better. You know what I'm saying? I don't even want to say yes because... If we could have 100 teraflops, if I had the button right here that says make the PS5 100 teraflops, that would technically make it better usually. Exactly. But how many ROPs does it have? Can it actually fill the pixels with those? You know? Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like... Yeah, I feel like... So when people are going to get it through their heads, I hope soon because, you know, there's so many other things that go into it. And And like we said it's better to have it than to not. But at the end of the day, there's going to be other things that it depends on. So we're just going to have to see. I feel like, I think at least me and you, uh, that we've been, you know, preaching that message. So at least our viewers, I feel like, you know, they have that idea floating around in their heads. But then the people who come to our channel, like let's say just got the video recommended, they won't believe us. They're just going to go away and not do anything. So, I mean, it's going to take like a, a massive force of every community just be like, yeah, this doesn't matter. And, and as the, where the community sits right now, that's not going to happen. I feel like everybody, like at least like the way bigger people and even like, you know, Microsoft themselves are saying, this is it. This is that uh, teraflops are the way to go. We have the more powerful console, but then go ahead and drop a four teraflop console. I don't know. <laughs> Great job, Microsoft. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're just, the, the whole market is going to need to shift. Like the way, and I'm surprised that Sony didn't really have like a direct rebuttal. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. Rebuttal, rebuttal, rebuttal. to that. Yeah, to that, you know, the whole, that whole marketing ploy. I mean, technically they did, you know, they went. The games will speak for themselves. Yeah, so that's exactly, what they've yeah. said. Exactly what they said, but they didn't really ever bring it up. They said, yeah, our console is 10.3, less cool, but, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let the game, we're going to show you the games, you know? So, that, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I find funny about the whole Teraflops Warriors is they'll like, you, like, admit it, you're focusing on just a single spec. And, it's funny because they will disregard all of the other specs. <laughs> so it's so funny how you seem to think, and let's be clear what about this. It's 18% more teraflops. It's not even 25 or 30 or 4. Like, it's not that much. Like, I think the uh, PlayStation 4 was 
50% more than the Xbox One. And yeah, there were people poo-pooing that difference. But it was really the bandwidth, too. It wasn't the teraflops, if you ask me. Like, if you look at that spec alone, and you're just going to die on this hill of 18% better, it's very interesting you're dying on that hill while ignoring that the PlayStation 5 has over double the SSD bandwidth. Like, that's a really <laughs> interesting that that's the only stat that matters, and it's only 18% different. They have the same amount of RAM. They both have eight cores. I think the Xboxes can clock their eight cores 6% faster or something. Again, like, okay. So it's, it seems like you're focusing on the smallest number of differences, and you're ignoring this one stat here, SSD performance, that's over twice as good. So interesting that you die on this hill that's the smallest difference. And you know what's funny? I want to I I know what you think about this. There seems to be, uh-huh. a, I don't know if you get um, a lot of these comments, but I, I get so many comments on my videos. Like whenever I, whenever I mention the PS5 SSD, a lot of people come onto my videos and they say, oh, it's funny how you brought up the PS5 SSD and this, that, but you didn't bring up velocity architecture or oh, direct storage. And you didn't bring up this because this will make the Xbox's SSD actually match the PlayStation's SSD. I'm just like, what are you reading, man? Like, honestly, like, wh- wh- where'd you get this? I just, and at first I responded to all those comments. So I, you know, I tried to be like, you know, fan, it's not like, worth it yeah, anymore. It's, yeah, exactly. At some point I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to let this dude rant because you're just wrong. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> like, I don't even want to like, you know, go into that conversation. Yeah, the whole velocity architecture thing is funny because I like a lot of my, and I put in air quotes sources, I just use that as a loose term because I don't want it. Because if I use specifics, people could figure out who I talk to. But like, I, I've been very open that some of them, especially in my last video, I just said, some of them are like people who work at Dice, you know, like, and they don't really usually have insider info on next gen hardware, but they can at least tell me what the bullshit is because they are using it. <laughs> and yeah. I had one programmer say, an angel dies every time someone says Xbox Velocity Architecture. Let me tell yo, and you know it's the craziest thing. I I've never wanted to say it because obviously I don't have sources. I'm not a programmer for games, so I don't know all these things. But I've always had the haunting suspicion that they're calling they branded it, and that's all they've done. But they haven't done anything, or at least nothing revolutionary to it. They just wanted to put a name to it that people could reference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's it, that's how I've always felt deep down. I've just never wanted to say it because I didn't know if I was right, honestly. But that's how. Um, I felt. You know what? Let's you know since we're on the subject, I'll just I'll just say it. You know what? I, my understanding is it is capable theoretically of more than what a PlayStation fanboy would say. A PlayStation fanboy would say it's nothing but a buzzword. You know, it's it's more than that. Velo- mm-hmm. This velocity architecture, but yeah, you're right. It is really a buzzword for a bunch of different things, but like. It, it is actually something interesting for streaming and assets. It is a thing. So the PlayStation fanboys are wrong if they say it's yeah. nothing. But, but it is. It's it's not anywhere near as as capable as some people are making it out. Exactly. I mean, if we're being honest, they have their own I/O controllers. And again, like I'm not saying this because I'm a fanboy. I'm just saying it because like its competition is the PlayStation Five. That's why I'm bringing up the PlayStation Five. Like it, the IO controllers are like less than half as capable as what's in the PS5s. The bandwidth is less than half as much. The peak bandwidth is actually like way lower. Like the PlayStation 5s can peak to 22 gigabytes per second, which is um, ridiculous. But, I know. Yeah. Like, which again, so again, so for everyone who's listening, when they say we want to be able to stream in assets as you're walking, so let's see, there's 16 gigabytes of RAM in the PS5. You would need the peak bandwidth. <laughs> to get to over a 16 so they could load the RAM in under a second. Like that's what people need to realize. So like when they say the velocity architecture can do the same thing, no, it's peak is like six gigabytes. 
And that's just if it was all textures. Most of the assets aren't like, well, a lot of the assets aren't textures. The the effective is what they said. You know, people want me to bring up things like BC pack and all of this other stuff. It's like, look, guys, the numbers are the numbers. All right. It's 4.8 gigabytes. There are some parts of it that are peak. The average is about 4.8 gigabytes a second after their decompression block and all of that. That's what it is. So even theoretically, though, 4.8 divides 16, right? By 4.8, there's going to be at least three second load times. Like theoretically, Mm -hmm. like you can't, like that's just, this is physical math. Like this is the bandwidth of loading. This is how much RAM is in the system. Three second load times at best. It's probably going to be a little less, you know? And so that's all you can say. The only other thing I can say about the velocity architecture is I've heard it's actually maybe a bit cumbersome to use. Like it takes a lot of work to program. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, but you know, I'm not a programmer. So this is just one of the programmers. A co- well, there's more than one, but a couple of programmers saying that. So, but yeah, mm. I mean, like, what, what was I getting back on subject after yeah. we just <laughs> vented a little bit? Um, like, yeah, when it comes to the, the teraflops versus performance, I actually, I just think this is going to be a, like, a, unless AMD completely fucks up their graphics cards this year, which I hope not. <laughs> I, hope <you> <laughs> I think, me too. I, I think they're going to be good. I think that's going to be the lesson that teraflops aren't performant and aren't equal to performance. Like Ampere couldn't have come out at a more perfect time to demonstrate this even harder than Xbox and PlayStation. Like, so, so wait, do you, so do you know how many teraflops the 3080 is? See, now that's what I was, I was just about to ask you that. I was, I was going to ask you, you mentioned that the 2070, uh, sorry, the 3070 mm-hmm. was 20 teraflops. Is that, that's accurate? Yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah, it's on their official slides. And it has the same performance as the 13 and a half teraflop 2080 Ti. That yeah, so that that's pretty much that's all you need to say. <laughs> I'm convinced. Like, I, not that I wasn't. What do you already, think but... the thirty the thirty is thirty teraflops? <laughs> thirty teraflops. Wow. And guess what? It's and and I'm getting just so everyone knows, like the PC gamers listening who haven't who don't hate me by now. The thirty eighties are delivered to the reviewers by now, guys. Like the reviews come out next week, so they're testing it. And yes, I have connections. If I if I have sources that right, you would it's not a, it's easy to understand that I may have some friends who are already testing these cards. Um, I'm told it's not 45 percent stronger. I'm told it's like 35 percent stronger than the 2080 Ti on average. Um, I really don't have more details than that, just so everyone knows. It's about 35 percent, right? Maybe maybe even closer to 30 percent better than the 2080 Ti, despite having. I'm like banging on my desk. 30 teraflops. It is over double the teraflops of the 2080 Ti, 35% more performance, just so everyone's aware, and at least in rasterization. So that should just tell you how irrelevant the teraflops number is. What Ampere did is they just took the compute units and they just packed in a shit ton of cuticles. cores. And mm. that, yeah, that's it. Teraflops <laughs> go up because, you know, some people, you'd be surprised how ridiculously simple, well, it's not simple, right? Like, I was going to say how ridiculously simple computing teraflops is. Oh, yeah. You know, from, from, you know, uh, a computer engineering standpoint, even, even, but, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I see like this common equation that you take the cores and have them and multiply. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what exactly what it was. That's not, it's it's a shortcut. It's technically accurate, but, you know, there's other things that you have to take into consideration. That's just theoretical, right? Yeah, it's theoretical. But like, even like on the more technical side, you'd be surprised like how, ridiculously easy the equation is like you'd look at the equation because the way it is it's like you have the number the number of cores like the number of cores or the number of like processors or like you know whatever quarter cores whatever it may be and you have it i can't remember the equation but it's like over something else times something else times something else and like a bunch of like other Mm -hmm. constants that 
in and of themselves don't really matter too much towards like you know gaming like ever you know what i'm saying so it's like or, or like or even like general performance it's more because i think it was originally like originally designed to it's like to me- to measure general performance across everything like the measurement mm-hmm. was invented to the, like yeah general performance across everything so like you theoretical yeah general, theoretical yeah. performance exactly so you can't ever pick out one specific thing and say teraflops is good for this you can't say you know um rendering gaming whatever it may be the teraflops help you here i'm sure if you took an average of everything that ever existed that you could do on a graphics card then teraflops might start to be a bit more even then you know who knows no one's ever tried it so i'm sure if you did it'd be a lot closer to you know what teraflops are trying to indicate because it's like a general thing like so general that you can't really just pick out one one thing and say, oh, okay, teraflops is a good measurement here. Like, that's never going to be the case, like, ever. Yeah, I made my own scratch math converters for performance where I try to convert performance differences between similar architectures. And it's something to, like, averaging out the increase of bandwidth and then the increase of shaders and then the increase of clock speeds. But then also I take into account ROPs, right? Yeah. And and it's it's a lot of guessing. Like, it, like there's a lot more... Right then, and that's only to compare against the same architectures, and it's still usually off by ten percent. Right, like there's a lot more that goes into performance, and so going back to the teraflops argument, I mean, this is something I forgot to bring out, uh, bring up on my last video. Um, I think we could see we're going to see RDNA two cards come out, even if they don't take the performance crown, which I don't think they're going to. Yeah. I think they're going to beat the thirty seventy and come closer to the thirty eighty than you'd think. And it, you know what, guys. I know top big Navi is supposed to be 80 compute units, but, and if you take like the, do this equation we've been talking about, you know, like 64 shaders per compute unit times this times clock speed, blah, blah, blah. You get to about 20.24 teraflops. And I think that's going to be a lot stronger than the 3070, at least 10 to 20%. Well, well, more than that, actually, I think. But, you know, and I think people are just going to look right there and go, oh, that's like within 20% at least of the 3080, maybe within 10% are beating it, and it has two-thirds of the teraflops. And that's when people are going to go, oh, 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 NVIDIA was just trying to just get us to buy their cards with these crazy huge numbers. Crazy huge, because these are really, probably not really meant for gaming, by the way, guys. Yeah, for sure. Like 30, and you said that? Mm. 36 teraflops for the 3090. And how much more powerful is that than the 3080, would you think? Uh, my guess was 14 to 18%. I'm kind of hearing it's closer to the lower number, probably 15% better. Okay. So, you know, they just added 20% more teraflops. It's probably 10, you know, and it's probably because of the bandwidth. It has 20% more bandwidth. That's what's making it perform that much yeah. better than the 3080. It's not the teraflops, guys. I mean, and, you know, I guess just to kind of switch gears again, I think, but yeah, I mean, I don't, unless, I don't know, do you have anything else to say about the whole teraflops debate or, no. and like these specs between these consoles? Because just to be clear, I also hear that the PS5 and Xbox Series X, which I could be, I think they have the same amount of ROPs, 64. So they like, okay. like, like literally my understanding of the Xbox die is it's like literally just a PS, well, it's not literally, there are other differences actually, but it's like <laughs> a similar organization, right? And they just put more compute units in different parts of it and then added more bandwidth. That's it. It's all they've done to the Xbox die. It's the same ROPs. In fact, I know the PS5 has its own architectural differences for like compute units and stuff. But um, I want, I want to talk about the SSDs a little bit too because I actually okay. think they're a lot cheaper than you than maybe you or a lot of people think. I actually don't mm-hmm. think these SSDs are that expensive, to be honest. 
Uh, oh, okay, so personally, I would say I would guess that it's a bit more expensive, at least the PlayStation um, SSD. Well, it's gonna, yeah, it has to be. But. Yeah, it has to be like, or, or even it's. I would guess that, in my opinion, it'll probably be a bit more of a concept. All right, so let's say the PlayStation Five, because there's rumors that it costs around four hundred and fifty dollars to make, right? So in yeah, my opinion, that's what I get too. By the way, doing my own estimation. Okay, so if we say that it's around there. And what would you say like a normal console, like the, let's say, well, last gen, if a, if a console release at that price point for last gen, how much do you think the price of an SSD, if you were to put it in there, would cost releasing today? Like usually, let's say like a normal amount. Or are you asking a, an SSD from back then? No, let's say today. So let's just say if a console, right. irrespective of these two, just released today. So, so, so just a general SSD is you can go on Amazon and get these no name, no, you know, uh, SSDs from China with like these sometimes hilarious names like Butterfly SSD <laughs> Company. You know what is this? No name from China or South Korea, and 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 they will be like thirty bucks for like two fifty six gigabytes or something. You know, uh, and a lot of that cost isn't even just the silicon chips; those aren't that expensive. It's just the fact that they actually had to put them in a chassis and ship them to you, right? So the bigger you get in capacity, it's it gets a little better. So I really think I really think that the Xbox's SSD doesn't cost more than seventy bucks, and in fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was fifty. And it's because of the volume of scale they are making millions of these, and the flash storage isn't actually that expensive. What makes the Xbox's SSD impressive is that decompression block they're baking into the silicon that makes it punch far above what it normally would, right? And then I think the PlayStation's is probably. No more than like 150 bucks. I actually think it be, could be closer to 100, 120. What, what the the cost for Sony was developing it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. Definitely development costs, 100. percent Like, I think, yeah. Like, I was gonna say, like in my estimate, if the thing costs 450 to make, I was gonna say like in the ballpark of the high 100s. I was gonna say like 180. Mm-hmm. 200. But that's a little bit weird because if you say well, that, then where's the rest of the cost going? Like for the well, so yeah. Let, let me say this too, then. Like, I built my gaming PC in December, okay. and SSD prices have gone up a bit. There's been this whole global supply chain problem caused by some virus, apparently, that's causing that. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it. But before that happened, I got it was a good deal, I'll admit it. it but it was a Gen 4 SSD, five gigabytes per second. And I got it for $150 for a terabyte. So there, I, I you know, and, and you know, there's a markup. In the PC hardware space, and I got it for one fifty. So, so I, I, so I don't think the PlayStation fives, because remember they're going to sell it at cost. You're going to yes. remove that profit margin. So I think the PlayStation fives isn't more than one fifty. Now there's no. probably more cooling involved because it's really powerful, and that's its whole other discussion. But I, I don't think it's as much as people think. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you there. Like they they definitely will sell it at cost. Like you know whatever it costs to make or however much they get it for in bulk, they're going to sell it for that. But I, at least in my mind, like what they would need to sell it. When I was thinking, when I was making my estimates, I was thinking what they would need to sell it at to make it worth it for them. So I mm. think that's like a little bit of my bite, a little bit of my bias. I feel like, you know, they spent so much time, you know, developing it. And, you know, it t- spent years of, you know, trying to interviewing people and seeing what they want and putting all this money into it and stuff like that. And actually, you know, engineering the thing and then finally got it just right. So now they could mass producing, mass produce it. Now the mass production, as you've mentioned, is not what's the problem. If they decided to sell it for what it costs, then yeah, I, I would 100% agree with you. But in my head, I was thinking, all right, they spent all this time, all this effort into it. 
how much like how are they gonna make their you know their not their money backs but like you know you're gonna buy games back. that's how they'll yeah. make their money <laughs> exactly yeah so i feel like that's and they also i also know like one of my earliest sources on the ps5 was someone who helped develop it in the early years and he was connected to a company called marvell and so this was like a co-development my understanding between sony and marvel and they're going to use this tech to sell to enterprise a professional version of this for servers so that's where they're gonna make that money by the way <laughs> Like this is a whole thing, like the cell processor. Except this isn't mm. stupid. The cell processor is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and you know, when it comes to the bill of materials, I pulled it up while you were talking. Actually, okay. um, I mean, my estimate is the die is not more than like, because again, this is going to be like a three hundred millimeter square die. I think, okay. like at, at most, probably smaller. Actually, um, and I think that's like silicon's <laughs> pretty dirt cheap, guys. Like I'm probably overestimating. I think that's like ninety bucks. I think if you do. For and they're using dual GDR6 chips, so it's per two gigabytes. So it's like I say that's eleven dollars times eight since they're they're making 10 million by March, by the way. So that's yeah. a lot. That's a high volume that they can divide this over. Turns out there's no DDR in the background for background tasks. They can just kind of use the SSD because of how fast it is. So that was a cost in the PS4 that isn't in this now because they have the okay. SSD. So you put like 88 bucks for RAM, the MOBO, again, I don't know, guessing 30 bucks. You know, the IO controllers, I don't know, right? Do I, the IO controllers may just be baked into the silicon. I'm not sure, right? I just threw 15 bucks. PSU, 50, you know, these power supplies are cheap. You know, yeah, like 15 yeah. bucks, wireless card. I do happen to know that they're using Wi Fi 6 and some pretty advanced networking for PSVR 2, I think. So a lot of Wi Fi cards are like $5 if they were selling them at cost. So I'm just going to put 15, let's say 20 for the case, cooling 15 controller, you know, 30, like even if I had the controller and Blu-ray player, my total cost, and I even account for risk. Like you have to, you have to understand my previous job, I was a sales engineer. So my job was literally constructing built some materials sometimes. Like, I think this thing comes to, yeah, 450, you know, I think it comes to 450 with the disc version. I think they removed the disc. It's like 420, hashtag lit. And then they can <laughs> just, uh, and that's why I think when you look at the price of the Xbox for 500, I think that what they want to do, if they were smart, is they would is sell the discless version for a hundred bucks less, no matter what they decide to sell the top version for, because then they're oh, locked yeah. into the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I, at least me, I was thinking about it. If the thing costs four fifty to make, and if they if they wanted to be crazy, I, I think they're probably at least going to sell it at four fifty. Now that it's been revealed that you know the Series X is going to be four ninety nine, mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but I'd say if they if they if they really want to attack, you know, how they've been attacking or like how you've been saying how they have like exclusive. I think data they should. One. I think they should. Yeah, exactly. I think they should. 450 and then the discless version, 350 then or 349, you have a really good bargain. Even if even if the Series mm-hmm. S is 299. Like you have There are people a, clawing at their face that you suggested it could be just 350, by the way. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, of course, hundred percent. Like I'm not saying it's going to happen. And I even said that it's, you know. If they wanted to be as aggressive as possible, this is this is all with the big asterisk. I, I've like, said that for months, so we're, in yeah, this, we're on the same page. Exactly. So this is this this whole everything I just said has a huge asterisk next to it. It's like if they wanted mm. to win, they would do that. Like if they were desperate enough to. But then again, you know they they sold the PS3 at a deficit for that much more. So right. They and might. so I also have a calculator here where I know the deficits of the previous gens. The PS4, I believe, was sold at a ten percent loss at most. So I think we should at least expect that. 
you know, because of how, because they bundled Connect, Sony, frankly, was able to get away with selling the PS4 for, frankly, a little more than they probably could have gone down to if the Xbox was even more competitive. The PS4 was dirt cheap to make, guys. Um, it's actually, by the way, on a side note, crazy. They're still selling the PS4 for more than like $200. Like they're making oh, yeah. a killing on each one of those goddamn things insane, by now. Insane. <laughs> I mean, come on. But um, the 40 gigabyte, I know the 40 gigabyte version of the PS3. So I think that was like 2008, you know, um, that, that the, you know, they removed backwards compatibility. It was only 40 gigabytes. I believe that was in 20% loss. And the original PS3 was at 75, uh, 25, not 75, 25% loss. Now, I don't think Sony's ever going to go back to 25% losses. They see that. I really think the 360 PS3 gen was this war of attrition. Microsoft and Sony never want to do again. They both yeah, lost for sure. billions in the first half of that gen. Billions. Like, it was terrible. Like, and so I, I think that, though, we should expect a 10% loss. And if you go with that, you know, you remove the disc players 420, uh, 10% loss is like 380 or something. I think if they want to, they can easily sell the discless version for under 400. And I think the most, I I think I could see them doing 450 and 500, but that would be if they're cocky, right? They yeah, would have they're... to have, they would have to be like saving some big guns. We have no clue they've had the whole time. Did I, I think if they want to win, if they couldn't afford to do 350 and 450, but I think what they should consider doing, even if they don't want to go down to 350, I think they should consider like 359 or 379, mm-hmm. something like that, where it's like we're selling this for a full games less of money, right? Yeah. Like, and I actually, I think, um, yeah, I think even like 359 would be worth it because, like, look, if you're going to go into a store and see the Xbox Series S for 300 bucks with half a gigabyte, with we already know the digital version still has 800 gigabytes. Sony puts that at 350 to. Are you really not going to pay $50 for that better SSD, extra storage, and all like right, and the extra performance that would be in the discless PS5? I, I, I just think I could not agree more. I'm not sure they'll go to 350. I kind of think they're going to go to 399, to be honest, because I don't think they feel the need to be aggressive anymore. But if they want to win, I, I, they can afford to go to 350. They can afford to. It's funny. It's funny that you bring that up. You said that if they don't have the aggressiveness, they're gonna go to three ninety nine. It kind of bring it kind of reminds me of the, you know, the Microsoft versus Sony situation that we have right now is reminding me of the AMD versus Nvidia and AMD versus Intel that we've been seeing. So this could play out because if you look at AMD versus Intel, the reason AMD was able to get back on their feet with the uh, launch of the original, you know, Ryzen generation is because Intel was pretty much complacent and things have gotten like kind of got backlogged and they weren't able to like, you know, get up on their feet as fast as they wanted to with 10 nanometers being delayed and all that stuff. So AMD was able to use, you know, the. the uh, and I would right. say Zen was better, but it wasn't better at gaming yet. It was exactly, just priced yeah. really low. Yeah, it was just priced really low. So, and, and Intel, with how the whole monolithic thing was going on, ten nanometers, they couldn't really respond to it as quickly as they had hoped. And you could also argue that they were just a bit complacent; they weren't thinking about it. So, when it came, they just had to scramble, and that's why AMD was able to get back so quickly when it comes to processors. But when you look at AMD versus NVIDIA, NVIDIA and like uh, uh, well, and Jensen, just like you know, I feel like whenever I look at one of Jensen's conferences. He's just like, okay, 
we're not ever going to sleep on AMD. Like there is no chance. Yeah, I'm ever that is going the difference between them. NVIDIA and Intel. Is exactly, NVIDIA actually yeah. it continues to innovate, even if they get some complacent or cocky, they, they continue to go for it. Exactly. Yeah. They just keep saying, yeah, there's no way we're ever going to let AMD win. Even if we don't think they're going to have this, okay, we're still going to try to always beat them, get insider info, like spy on them, whatever it may be. Whatever we got to do, we got to release something if better. If they... If AMD went from having 20 to 30% market share to 40 to 50%, that would be a catastrophic loss of revenue for NVIDIA. <laughs> they cannot exactly. afford to lose that, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Intel, well, we don't need to get into that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So I think this could play out in either one of those two ways, either an AMD versus Intel or an AMD versus NVIDIA, because we've seen it happen in the past with these two companies. So like the whole Microsoft versus Sony thing, it depends like, if Sony gets complacent like Intel did, then but we're going to head down the same road. It's going to be bad. But if they honestly want to keep hammering down like NVIDIA, keep pushing it and say, and we're going to price, price this aggressively and win where they can, wherever they can, then they're going to, you know, they're going to take it. It really just depends on, you know, what they want to do. But we've seen both routes. So depending on what they do, things could happen. Things couldn't, all that stuff. Yeah, but we both agree there's no way it's more than 500. And if Sony wants to go to 350, they absolutely can. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, Okay, so let's start getting to the final subjects here. We have been talking for quite a while. I mean, as you know, I was told that there should be, there could be a Sony. I guess I haven't told other people this, but I'll. I'll just say it now. I was told there could be a Sony conference where they reveal the PS5 on Wednesday. And then it sounded, and then they publicly said there wouldn't be. But then now the Xbox reveal has happened. So me and you weren't sure if we wanted to record on, you know, ahead of time or have another late episode. But I think I came to the conclusion, you know what? One of these broken silicons will be the first episode where I talk about the PS5's final reveal. I'm done guessing when they're revealing this because it's just going to be any week now. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so we just decided to go forward. So at least we had the Xbox stuff to discuss. But like, yeah, I guess I guess let's just firm this up then. Like, when and when do you think PlayStation is going to reveal it? Because they could show it off right after this podcast goes live, which would be funny. But like, when do you think they will? And and what do you think? What price do you think they're going to go to? Honestly, this is going to sound bad, but I think PlayStation if PlayStation regular four forty nine, and then PlayStation discless like a 429. Mm. I know that sounds weird, but that's what I'm thinking, honestly. You think they'll make it that close? I think they might because at the end of the day, it's a Blu-ray player. I mean, how much do Blu-ray players even cost? I have no idea. Like, No, right, but I think that they'll be aggressive because like, you have to remember, if you have a Blu-ray player, like, and this is the example I give. This is now months old example, but like, what was it? It was like, I hadn't played Call of Duty I don't know which one it was. They're all blending together. It was like Call of Duty Infinite Warfare or something, the space one where you could like choose the planets you go to. Um, like that is always like $20 or more on Steam, maybe sometimes 10. And it was $7 free shipping on Amazon, <laughs> the Blu-ray <laughs> version. And so when you have a disc player in your console, there's so many chances where Sony won't make money on a sale, whether it's that or used games. Yeah, Removing true. the disc player locks them in to giving you all those i'm rubbing my hands together you know so i think it's in sony's best interest to sell the disc version at cost or even with a slight profit so they make sure they make that money and then take the disc version and just do that 10 20 percent markdown to be aggressive and take market share now because most people do buy digital now even on console and they will make more profits if they have to always 
by your device. Actually, I do want to get bring that up. The one thing that surprised me about the Series S is that it was half a terabyte. I thought it was going to be one terabyte that they still gave to the digital version. The fact that it's half a terabyte and you're going to have to buy a proprietary Microsoft SSD, mm, mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that won't factor that in, but I'm just making sure no one forgets that if you rush out and get that cheaper version. It's cheaper for a reason. They're going to lock you into buying their, you know, SSDs. Their, yeah. Their Vita memory cards. So yeah, now that you bring that up, I think I could go, yeah, I will go down to $399, but I think most likely it's going to be $449, $399. That's my guess. My guess. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it was lower. Yeah. Would you be surprised if Sony went to $499? Like, to completely just match that Series X? I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised. Like, And I, and sure. I want to be clear. I, th- I know there's the whole teraflops thing, but I'm telling you guys, the performance, it's not, it's not worse. It's not, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't want to get into it. I've dissected that in a different episode with someone who went into the hardware, but, um, well, okay. I mean, I, I guess, I guess if I, uh, to be fair, I should say what I think, right? I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to say for whatever reason I'm getting the feeling. Here's how I'm going to frame my answer. Sony wants to do three ninety nine and four ninety nine. That's what they wanted to do the whole time. I think. Um, at those levels, they're making big old money. But I think that right now there's probably a boardroom meeting, maybe literally right now, where they're deciding if they should go to 349 and 449. And yeah, I don't I guess that's my answer is that I still suspect they want to charge more, but don't be surprised if the discless version is below 400 because they know if you walk into a Best Buy and see. 800 gigabytes versus 512 and just a like a game's worth more money for it, people will just buy that, right? Bigger number. Exactly. So there's some final reader mails here. I figure let's blaze through a few of them. Uh, all right, let me see here. So, all right. Let, let me skip this one. Let's see. All right, Jeremy Lamb writes in and says, since Microsoft is releasing all first-party games for both consoles and PC, and direct storage isn't coming until 2021, which is something people forget, you know, NVIDIA talked about RTX IO for the Ampere, um, and I think it utilizes uh, Microsoft's direct storage anyways API. So it's like, that's not really going to be ready until 2021 anyways. Um, mm. uh, he says, are we not going to see Xbox using any advanced SSDs for their GPU until 2021, or the Xbox Tech do without it to remain compatible with PC and Xbox One releases? Well, in my opinion, I think, yeah, we wouldn't see anything too crazy until 2021 once that comes, because especially since, you know, you're tying that, you know, you're tying not only to console, not, not, I mean, not only to PC, but to, but to last-gen Xbox Two, and, you know, Phil Spencer said two years of, you know, Xbox One being able to play whatever game comes out on the Series X, and yeah, I, I'd have to say, yeah, we wouldn't see anything too crazy until later down the line for the Series X and Series S. Yeah, I mean, but I think you said this in a video. I think they're starting to regret that weird thing they said of like all games on Xbox One and Series X for the first two years. And like they're already starting to pull some games from being on the Xbox yeah, One, they, they they? Are, Yeah, they are starting to pull some, yeah. So I, honestly, I, let's be serious. If you, if you thought about it, you would have seen it coming because that's just... That's, yeah. that's a really tough thing to do. Like uh, People want to argue that the Xbox One won't hold the Series X back or won't hold the Series S back. It, it will. 
at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, that's especially the fact that it has a hard drive, right? Like that, yeah, that changes how you entirely program a game. Exactly. So, so yeah, I think they are starting to regret it. And there are already a couple of games that aren't going to be on Xbox One. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, that's something I said since January, right? When I saw that repeatedly on my channel, I was just like, either the Xbox Series X is so powerful, it's a great next-gen console, or it's not. You can't say this game also runs on Xbox One and the Series X is the most powerful next-gen console because if it is, the game shouldn't run on the Xbox One. Like, it can't be both. I think you've literally said that too, Yeah, I you? did say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griff Della Griff writes in and says, any news on the expensive PS5 cooling or when there will be a teardown? I don't know. Have you heard about like the cooling cost rumors or like, like when do you think there will be a PS5 teardown? So I don't think the teardown is going to come before the price reveal, obviously. Or at least not. At least in my head, that's how it would work. Uh, it would work. Um, but I did hear a couple, I did hear a couple of like, um, I never really believed like the patent things, you know, that comes out. Like mm-hmm. uh, they, they're kind of like, you they know. They patent all they types could, of things that never yeah, happen. Yeah, so you never, they might never use it. They might never do this. But I did see one that I was pretty, that was pretty interesting about, um, you know, the PS5 using, instead of using like regular thermal paste, they're going to be using liquid metal. I saw that. So I mean, there's also been patents where they like have a cooling on both sides of the PCB, kind of actually almost similar to like I think some things Ampere does, Um, and that they may even have 3D printed copper pipes that go through the die to cool all the way through it. If that happens, that is more expensive. Although again, guys, these devices since they're mass produced, ten bucks more than it would be otherwise. Twenty bucks, like it's not. You know, it's not like a $100 cooler, despite them charging an arm and a leg to put a slightly bigger cooler on your graphics card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I haven't seen too much about it, but. Well, it's funny. I think Digital Foundry said that they were going to have some PS5 teardown months ago, and it's never happened. I'm going to be honest, guys. One thing I've been one of the few people to be outspoken about is I really do. My understanding truly is the PS5 has some customizations to its GPU architecture that aren't going to be on desktop till RDNA 3, it turns out. And with that in mind, you really think AMD wants people looking at it until the last minute? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, see, that, that, and I've even heard that there could, uh, I don't want to say, right, because I'm going to be called a fanboy, but like I've heard some pretty wild things about what they did to get low enough latency to stream in assets with that SSD. So I think there's some secret sauce there. They don't want to show. Like, think about, we've had Xbox die shots for the whole year, and Sony doesn't seem to want to show anything about how the internals work. And what I've heard is that they actually, it's pretty complex stuff going on in there. Like, I don't think a teardown's that easy. It's not, a, it's not just a box. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see here. And Keith writes in, the Wi-Fi 6 support in PS5 might be quite useful for VR. Thoughts? Well, my thoughts and Keith would be yes. <laughs> like my understanding is the PSVR 2 might be wireless and use Wi-Fi 6 for low latency transmission to your headset. So actually, have you heard about that at all? I actually haven't. I have not been keeping up with the PSVR news, but that is pretty interesting that you that you mentioned this. Yeah. And I think I think that's the key to VR becoming mainstream too, is not having a bunch of freaking wires hanging off my back. Yeah. Just, just wireless, wireless everything, and actually higher, higher resolutions. Like honestly, like just being more fluid. Because I don't know if it's gotten better since the last time I used the VR headset, but that was a big problem. Just like it was just, <laughs> no, like, I was shaking my head. Yeah, I mean it's cheap now, right? So like, yeah. if you have it, you have it because it's cheap to try out some games. But 
I mean, I've also heard they're, they want to do 1440p per eye, which if they're aiming for 4K60, which is over double the resolution of 1440p, I think they could just pull that off too. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, that, but besides that, and Keith, I'd recommend you listen to the network engineer episode from last year. Cause we talked about that for like an hour. Let's see. Michael Unterhuber writes Xbox just revealed their Xbox series S on Twitter at two ninety nine. What do you guys think this will mean for PS five and Xbox pricing? Oh, I think we answered that. Yeah, we, <laughs> uh, we beat that horse to death. Um, how long will it take for Sony to respond? I guess that's a good question. Like, how long do you think until Sony responds? I don't think they care, honestly. I feel like the entire thing with Xbox revealing everything first and Sony just taking their sweet time, like, you know how we talked about complacency versus not complacency? I don't even think this is complacency. I think they're fully justified in their right to not be rushed here because of, you know, how well they did previously mm. and how the, you know, the general stigma of the PS5 now. Because like six months ago, this stigma was not here. People thought it was going to be trash, but now things are starting to turn around. So yeah. I feel like now they have a bit more leverage. They could honestly wait a bit longer if they wanted to, and nobody, I don't think, would bat an eye. So it's still up in the air. Honestly, we could have seen it today. We could see it next week. Doesn't really matter to them. I just think they're still they're, they're going to reveal it before October, right? Yeah, before yeah, for sure. I think they're going to do it probably in September, but they're going to reveal it when they're like, you know, when they're finally had that boardroom meeting you were talking about. Once they do that, they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't. So I know there's rumors they may rush out something. I am just like refreshing rumors to see if uh, <laughs> this pops up while we're talking. Um, but a theory I've had, because I know that some people have told me they've seen like God of War 2 behind closed doors. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a mini reveal ready and then they just had to type in the price and press render for a month now. Like... I wouldn't be surprised if they basically were ready, but I think, and again, all of what I'm saying right now is theory is not confirming anything. I think at a certain point, once it hit September, they were like, really? Xbox still hasn't said their price, right? And I think they said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to reveal near the end of September, and uh, we're just going to make sure the show is extra, extra, extra ready. And Microsoft will have to have said something before then, which it turns out they're right. But I think if Xbox shows off a couple of surprise exclusives, the bombshells I were told about was supposed to be the Xbox Series S, except there was supposed to be some big show in August and they canceled it after the Halo reveal. Because um, mm-hmm. they wanted to, I, I, think they, I think Xbox knows they need to take extra time to make sure the final showcase they do is actually good. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think Sony's going to show it they, they could show something anytime now. And I think they're just planning for end of September because they don't care anymore. And, and it's not, right, like you said, complacency. I think they just know that they've been nailing their messaging for the past two months and they didn't the first few months. And so they know that they should just, it's more important to make sure you nail the messaging than it is to get something out first. At least that's what I think. Exactly. Okay, so let me see here. Also, like, so Jim D's asking, are they going to release the Series S? See, because I was, I heard it might release after at the soonest. It turns out the Series S is launching same day as Xbox Series X. So Jim D's question's already been answered by Microsoft's Twitter account. Um, let me see. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess there's two more. All right. Type 2501 says, if Game Pass is the future, is it a future we want to be living in? I say yes. Honestly, I think I'm all for it. Like a, f- a future where like, you know, games, games for a service and you pay monthly to have like kind of like Netflix. I think it's a really cool idea, but execution 
is a big thing. Like execution is key. But I'd say, yeah, I, I I'd be done. I'm not saying it'll be. I don't know how it would work. This is just me going off intuition. But I'd definitely be done. I could do it. So, Right. I think people worry about change and it's like game streaming, for instance. When Stadia was announced, there were a lot of hardcore PC gamers freaking out because they're like, oh, this is going to kill good games. And now I'm going to have to deal with, you know, laggy 1080p because this is, you know, and well, I guess Stadia kind of doesn't work at all. So that's not happening clearly. (laughs) And that's a whole other discussion. But like, I think what an argument I make is if it is the future, it's because we decided we wanted to live in it, right? Like, it's not going to become the future unless we vote with our wallets. So if Game Pass becomes the future, we decided the answer is yes. <laughs> and so, True. and if we don't, it didn't. And the, sure, there could be different things that makes it pan out or not. But I mean, the one concern I have about Game Pass is a race to the bottom. Because it's like you said, Microsoft can afford to make all these games. Microsoft can afford to like, they gave away Gears of War 5 for free, guys. Like, let's be honest. That's what happened there. And I like, I've crunched some numbers, and it's like if Game Pass really needs to take off to pay for AAA games, like AAA games cost like 50 to 100 million bucks to make. They might go up. A lot of people think it'll cost more next gen. So I don't know how many subscribers, like, let's say they have 2 million. Like, let's just say. So 2 million, right? Let me, I'm going to do the math now. Forgive me, people. So, like, I just want to make sure I'm not completely full of shit. So let's say 2 million people are on this service and they're paying $15 a month. Let's multiply it by 24 because that's kind of a, day, a game cycle. Now I'm going to divide that by $100 million to make a game. I get 7.2, right? And that's if game costs are the same and that's a two-year dev cycle. You see what I'm kind of saying though? How many great games can they actually afford to make and would they be forced to just get into this checkbox game because it's less about making... I mean, uh, GTA V cost half a billion dollars and people will go that was marketing. No, it wasn't. It cost them half a billion dollars to make and then there were marketing costs. So <laughs> do, you, do you see my point though? Do you worry there could be a race to the bottom where Microsoft can afford to eat these losses and then at the end, they are not making as good games because they can't afford to without having just millions and millions of subscribers? Is that a concern you have at all? Not really. I feel like, you know, as the future progresses and let's say that, you know, for some reason, Games Pass or something like Games Pass becomes, you know, the future. I feel like, sorry, the number of 2 million is actually going to, you know, probably be a bit higher than 2 million or whatever. So I feel like they... (laughs) It will be hard. 7.2 is low. It is a bit low, but I feel... And, you know, they want to make their money. Because that's over two years, right? I said times 24. So that'd be like three games, three and a half games a year. And and that would be a game that costs what they cost to make now. We're not even accounting for next gen. So, like, maybe they can afford then basically what I'm saying to make, like, two good games a year, you know? And will they really do that? Is two good games a year? Because they want to put more than two games on that roster, you know? But they only really need two to make it work, I think. Two a year mm. is more than enough because how much do they have now? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it's bad necessarily. I just think there is an argument you could make for why it could be like, like what happened. The example I've heard is the Android and iPhone market. These people try to make these $30, $40 AAA experiences for smartphones. And then everyone decided we're not going to pay more than $4 for a game. And now there are no good games on smartphones, pretty much, right? Like, yep. <laughs> And so that's what I worry about, though, right? I worry 
But then again, at the same time, you know, Sony will still be there probably making $60 games and go, eh, we're still going to make this one-off that's not part of it every now and then. And so I don't know. I, th- I think there's room for them both to exist, to be honest. All yeah. right. Let me see here. Nardog says, this time around, the console's coming to a market where many owners of the previous gen have stacked up their game library through subscriptions. The ever-extending library is an asset people are probably wanting to hold on to. I assume the console of choice, therefore, for most people are just what they had the previous gen- you know, previous generation. Fanboys aside, how badly one console would one console have to screw up to make people actually switch to the other platform at this point? Well, honestly, I don't think you even need to screw up that hard because I'm sure people care about the game libraries, but I think a lot of people kind of look at it a bit differently than they should. Like, sure, I have, you know, you know, whatever game sitting on my my PlayStation 4, my Xbox One, but how often do I really play them now that I'm done with them? Like, it's not like God of War was a great game. I might go back and play it again one day, but not. I'm never going to want to play it every day or I'm not going to go back and play whatever um, Sea of Thieves, you know, go play if I'm not playing it right now. So I feel like people look at it and they like the option, Mm -hmm. but you don't really need it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like a lot of people realize that and a lot of people just straight up don't care and they'll just leave. But I feel like once you realize that, you know, it's not going to matter. And even even if you don't realize that, there are people who don't realize that and agree with um, Nardog's point and, it'll st- and will still leave. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't think they need to screw up that hard. They just need to screw up just a little bit. And the other people <laughs> will leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting point because I think it becomes more entrenched as time goes on. And yeah, I hear plenty of friends who have iPhones that say they want to get an Android one, but they're just admitting they're stuck to that ecosystem. You know, so I think it's more and more of a thing as people are more and more entrenched in the same ecosystem because you just become used to it. It becomes nice. It's safe. You're used to playing in this swimming pool. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people said people weren't going to switch to PS4 when the Xbox One obviously screwed up. And a lot did, you know. So I think people are much more fickle and less loyal to a brand than people think. I think what you see with like the fanboys is such a small sliver of the actual market that you're overestimating how many of them there are. So I think no matter what, you're going to get, at this point, more than before. Maybe 10 million people that are, or 20 million even, they're just going to get the new Xbox unless it's horrible, right? And maybe 20 million that are going to get the PlayStation unless it's horrible. But I think over half of the market will switch just like whatever they think's best, you know, just like a snap of a finger. They're not as loyal as they, as you think they are. Exactly. I agree. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I got one more question here. So let's see. Cheesy Ramen writes in and he says, do you expect channel growth? I guess he's speaking specifically to me, but I think you can answer it too, to slow after the Ampere RDNA 2 Zen 3 launches. So for you, you talk more about Xbox and PlayStation, but like, do you expect channel growth to be badly affected a year from now after the console's already out? Um, not partic- I mean, not really. I don't think so. Because I feel like, at least me with my timetable, it's not really... Sh- I do get, I guess, like whenever I cover, you know, news-related things or explaining something, I do get like a bit more, uh, more views. But it's not... I don't think I would stop growing at the rate that I am mm-hmm. because of the... Like, cause it's not like, cause I feel like the channels that will stop growing at the rate that they are, are news channels specifically. Like if you just cover news and you don't really mm-hmm. 
you know, give too many opinions or you don't really go into in depth or like, yeah, if sources. all you do is regurgitate news, right? Yeah. Like, and there are YouTube channels for PC gaming where it seems like all they do is try to get a leak out first without doing any analysis or having anything to really say. Yeah, those guys are screwed. I think, yeah, they're going <laughs> to expect, they're especially going to have some slow channel growth, but like Moore's Law are dead or my channel is dead uh, or my channel, I don't think is not too dead. Much. Yeah, <laughs> Moore's Law is not dead. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think too much is going to happen. Probably, I, I will admit, it probably will slow down noticeably, but not anything crazy. So I'm not particularly worried about it. I mean, the way I would answer it is I'm already putting together early, like RDNA 2 is not even out, guys. And I'm already putting early RDNA 3 information together from sources. And Zen 3 isn't even out. And I've already done leaks on what I know about Zen 4, which, you know, higher core counts, 3 stacking. Um, what else do you like? ABX 512, all of these other things, right? And you know what's coming out after that? Zen 5 and then RDNA 4. And, yeah, exactly. and then Especially after Ampere yeah. comes Hopper. And yeah. I don't, I, I actually don't even think of myself as a leak channel. I just happen to have good sources now. So like, yeah, I want to tell you guys the PlayStation 5 early last year, I wanted to say it has this crazy SSD when I learned, because I think it's interesting. But like, it's like, I don't, you know, when I hear, and I do hear sometimes other tech tubers and leakers say, oh, there's not a lot of news this week. Every week I'm like, what? There is like, and it's because I don't just cover graphics cards. I cover consoles, servers, Intel, AMD, NVIDIA. I've done videos that involve Google Stadia and ARM. I, I don't think there's any shortage of stuff to talk about anytime soon, frankly. You know, and even a console-focused channel, I could see you, you know, just there's going... This is going to be a competitive generation, so I don't... I, I, I think it's like you say, if all you do is leak, there, are, there will be boom and bust cycles. But if you have something to say, I, I, I have to, like, axe videos I want to do because one thing is more important to talk about. Yeah, exactly. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and people yeah. know, like, if you look, like, you can see this, like, dry erase board. I've had, like, Intel Lunar Lake on there, an AMBD APU video I've wanted to do for a while. I don't know what I'm talking about, Lunar Lake. I think Ampere is more interesting. <laughs> like, you know, you know. <laughs> so, like, that <laughs> news will just have to wait. And you know what's insane? I actually have a whiteboard right next to me, too. And oh. on top of it, it says video ideas, like the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Like the exact same thing, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, uh, and by the way, Moore's Law is dead, but I was saying your channel is not dead. Uh, why don't you plug your channel one more time here? Oh, okay. So my channel, guys, is Innocence with two eyes at the, at, at the end. So it's I-N-N-O-C-N-C-E-I-I, pronounced Innocence, the second, but I just refer to myself as Innocence, and that's what my fans call me too, just Innocence. So that's my channel, Innocence II. I N N O C N C E I I. You can find me on YouTube. I do a bunch of breakdowns or just reviews of games. So, like, Moore's Law is Dead does mainly tech stuff. So, I do tech most of the mm-hmm. time. And then I also do game reviews or just give my opinions on games and stuff like that. So, it's just not, not just tech, but a bunch and there's of always reviews. new games coming out too. Like, yeah, come on. for sure. Yeah. So, uh, that's my channel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, your, there will be a link in the description. Like, the top link will be your channel. Um, and so, yeah, we'll include all of that. And otherwise, I mean, I don't know. Any final words? Anything else you want to say or discuss? Um, no, not really. I was very surprised when you reached out to me to do a podcast, though, because I was watching your channel before you reached out to me. I was watching it for a little bit. Then I saw that email and I was like, 
fuck yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so I was like, let's do it. <laughs> I don't. But, yeah, to be honest, cool. ma'am, I don't even remember uh, how I knew about your channel or why. I, I mean, it's. I don't mean it like as a slam. Like I literally don't remember. Like it either. It always comes from either one of my fans suggesting your channel. Or it sometimes, I'm always looking for new people to talk to because I find, you know, having guests on makes me less full of shit. Because like you need someone besides the same people telling you, oh, you know, like clapping for you over and over. If you don't bring in outside opinions, you'll get stagnant. Um, And I don't know, it was either that or sometimes when I get a new patron, I'll look at the other people they support. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, who's this? Who's this guy? But there's way more anime channels on patreon that i had any idea (laughs) but um yeah so i mean i don't know yeah i've watched a few of your videos i think they're pretty good and you know uh, yeah that i don't know i don't even remember i've I've probably found you a month ago because of some of my fans like you so that's what i'll say Mm -hmm. uh thanks for listening everybody um uh, remember to subscribe uh, to Broken Silicon on your preferred podcast app. And of course, this is Moore's Law is Dead. You probably know if you've been listening to us ramble for two hours. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for listening. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me. And I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at $1, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Matthew McMullen, Tellen, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yunt, Thomas Rupp, I Love You, Lennon Jim Bollocks, Joshua Albin, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Frederick Lau, James Crasta, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Brad Bedlam, Phil S., Courtney Elliott, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, TSPCFS, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Batboy Diesel, Daniel Hyde, D. D. Kunky, 
Christoph Novak, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy VI Pass, Sadler Sadler, Isaiah Gosner, Lethros Telos, Hey There's a Kidney, Greg T. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, Xoti, Hector Santana, Matthew Lane, Joe McMorrow, Jen Rauner, Robert Ducks, Trita Full, Allie Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Joe, Evan Dingle, Dominique Cock, Stefan, Original Ross, George Danforth, Sam MacArthur, Total Silo, Sol Connor, Michael Casa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, Kelly Bardino, Endless Loggins, Tom Senefilippo, Justice Brennan, Ivan K., Trevor Powers, Sayonara, Elenia, Joshua Stavenis, Daniel Nishpal, Franco Frederick, Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastillo, Dark Rain 2049, Leighton Perry, Mac, Carlos Valdez, Carnivore Bear, Macdo 226, Zabra Zaber, Zlicky, Matin Horsageji, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Garanadin, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Quinoas Jr., Christopher Foster, Kiwi Phil, Joaquim Hagen, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph Loria, Calm Marco, Deke, Dare Taumach, Raul Abeneni, Cheesy Ramen, Jig Dude 23, Brian Riggleman, Maxim Bratukin, Ryan Deniskew, Dave McCoy, Falco Milek, Masseurs, Paul Bogdan, Morton Svensden, and Andrew. And thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>